Let's take it to the edge. Let's get deflected. Let's talk about the night perspective. Let's get sharp. Let's get a little real. You ready? Yep. Give me what three, I need. Three, two, one, go. Hey, guys. I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives. And this is the Knife Perspective, number 056. Get your fix with a knife junkie. How are you doing tonight, Kyle? Pretty good. Uh, I'm going to talk about it, and then we get to our sponsors, but I got, I got it hooked up today, so uh, I'm kind of riding high on that, so... You committed unarmed robbery is what you did. <laughs> like you need to write somebody a thank you note. Yeah. No, they got, they got some knives out of the deal, so yeah. we're good. <laughs> but how are you doing, Dan? I am outstanding, man. Um, I got, uh, the, we've talked about it a couple of times and maybe this episode, maybe the next one, we'll talk about the, the patent I've been working on, but it's been finalized. Um, all the dot, I, all the I's are dotted. The T's are crossed. Uh, it was kind of a, a big day at Dogwood. Nice. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Now yeah, I just the- got to figure out how to make money off of it. Yeah. Is it hot down there? Uh, actually, it's been really nice. Uh, it it broke recently. It's been in like mid 80s, 85, 86. Man, I had to put on a jacket. It's been kind of nice. You put a jacket on in the mid 80s? Yeah, man. Crazy. Chilly. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be up in the 90s and 100s next week. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it while I can. Yeah, it's been pretty hot up here. And I actually got the pool heater for our pool fix this year and uh, haven't had to like really use it at all. So <laughs> man, the, the pool's there, been like 85 or hotter. There is nothing in the world better then theoretically having like a significant new year's day hangover and walk out to the pool and see the steam coming off the pool, dive in and nice warm pool. Maybe if you got a little water feature, you let that warm water pound on your shoulders okay. and sure you've just spent $375 to have the pool warm for that one day. But as God is my witness, it was absolutely worth it. <laughs> was that when you were up in Pennsylvania or? Uh, yeah, well, in Georgia, we actually never closed the pool. Uh, okay. it, it stayed warm enough. And on for New Year's, I would warm it up. And in Georgia, it was like 50 bucks because you weren't warming it that much. Yeah. Um, in Pennsylvania, like we'd have to kick on the heater three or four days ahead of time. And it really was just insanely expensive. And we just did it once. Cool. Uh, you want to er, talk about our first sponsor? Do I? Do I? You know that I do. <laughs> um, Jance, uh, Jance Knife Supply is our first uh, premier sponsor. And as everybody should know, but in case this is your first episode, you can use discount code KPGRIP, and that's going to get you 10% off handle materials. Uh, I think every knife maker I know got their start using from Jance. I mean, it is 
one of the great things about Jans is you can just get the ones or twos from them uh, yep. without having to commit to sheets of Micarta or G10 or whatever it is that you, you want to use. Yeah, I've been uh, working on a big batch of pocket bushcrafters and doing a bunch of jimping on the top. And I just got a brand new jimping <gasps> file from from them. So got uh, got it nice and crispy up there. Oh, Kyle, 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 Kyle. <laughs> if you like jumping, your handle design is wrong, son. I'm sorry. I, I, I like it up at the I, top. Put your I thumb. We there. had talked about this. Do, do, do you like your thumb? Yeah. Did your thumb do something? Did your thumb hurt you? Show me <laughs> on the doll where your thumb touched you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, got. Uh, Got all, got all those marked up and Jan got my jumping 20 lines per inch jumping file from Jant. So uh, they have all sorts of different things too. Lots of jigs and different things to make your knife making career easier. Yeah. And then uh, our next premier sponsor is Atlas Materials. Oh, uh, that's why you wanted me to go first. I it see is. it now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Dan and Natasha and the, the folks there at uh, Atlas Materials hooked me up with a bunch of thick micarta block super excited about all that and bias cut canvas micarta it's all inch and a half thick or thicker one piece is like a six by six inch square that's like uh almost 11 inches long so i'm gonna polish that baby up and it's gonna be a corner (laughs) piece on the end of my workbench so pretty excited for that i noticed you're keeping uh, it pg there yeah yeah i'm proud of you they've uh uh, I saw their huge wall of crazy fiber. They're still getting a bunch of that stuff in tons of cool, different colors. And Dan's Dan's office is an absolute like knife makers playground. Uh, he's got all sorts of stuff that they're working on getting all sorts of stuff that people send him for samples. Uh, just all sorts of cool stuff in there that he asked me p- opinions on and stuff. It's pretty cool. I love their faux ivory. It's already been kitchen safe approved Mm -hmm. and man the chefs eat up that especially when you pair it with like a natural micarta that old school look because that ivory ages in and it looks like the you know the 40s and 50s classic french style high-end handles Mm -hmm. but it's non-porous it's kitchen safe it's it's a modern material yeah it's very cool and I'm going to give away a brick of the some of the canvas micarta to one of our listeners. So uh, send me a DM on Instagram and make sure you follow uh, Knife Perspective and Atlas Materials and uh, say, "Hey Kyle, I need some of that that micarta," and uh, I'll get you get you a piece of scales or a, a block out to you. Hey Kyle, Kyle. Give me, give, give me what I need, Kyle. Come on, come on, just in case. You're, you're going to get a flat rate box sent your way, so don't you worry, Dan. Oh, you're so good to me, Daddy. <laughs> so, and then our our next uh, premium Phoenix sponsor is. Hey, hey, no, it's my turn. Would okay, you, go for it. Jumping, come on. Right, you made go. it through kindergarten. You know one than the other. All right. Phoenix abrasives. Who I've got a call because. I just had a magna a bunch of magna cut absolutely devastate what I thought was a year supply of belts. Um, yep. Use discount code KP10 for ten percent off all of your orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Broadback Incinerator belts and thirty six grit are back in, and I'm going to try those 
because, um, I mean, y'all know, y'all have listened. I absolutely love my purple belts. Uh, but trying to set bevels on that Magna Cut is killing me. So I'm going to yeah. try some of the incinerator belts, uh, see if that's going to help a little bit. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And they, they work forever uh, profiling knives. I was able to profile almost all 42 of my pocket bushcrafters with a well-used uh, 36 grit. That's um, outstanding. Yeah. Um, so, very cool. Uh, our next sponsor, Old Town Cutlery. You can use discount code KP10 and get 10% off all your orders there. They have everything from production knives to... Um, knife making supplies and Lee just got in a big batch of do South knives that he posted on their Instagram. That's their, their in-house brand. They had all sorts of kitchen knives and everything. So, uh, lots of cool knives there. So make sure you check those out and you can also get some of the best kitchen knives available, the mm-hmm. uh, cage daily knives and dogwood custom knives there at old town. Why you always got to be first? Like I finally looked at our website and you're first on everything, man. What, That's because I made that? the website. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> um, so. And if you'd like a pretty good knife, um, kitchen knife, you can check with one of our premier sponsors, KH daily knives, or if you want a really phenomenal kitchen knife. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, I can't be that much of an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as y'all all know, uh, cage, you know what, you know what, you know what, I'm saying it. I'm going to go first. Dogwood custom knives and cage daily knives will wrap up our premium sponsors. Yep. You want to do uh, the dealers? Then, oh yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You gonna let me do the dealers tonight? Yeah. Go for it. Oh, man, I'm feeling kind of, all right. <laughs> There's words I got to read. Okay. Uh, I want to thank our dealers, uh, Old Town Cutlery. They carry both Dogwood Custom Knives and KH Daily Knives. You put me first this time. Thank you. Yeah. You're always first on that one. Oh, sweet. You do care. (laughs) Uh, There's also the Knife Center that carries Dogwood Custom Knives, uh, the Cook Station, and Northside Cutlery with uh, Kevin Silverman uh, carries KH Daily Knives. So... Please go and check out these fine conveyors of cutlery and pick up what is quite possibly, certainly arguably, the finest kitchen knives in America today. Very good, Dan. Great work. I had martinis at dinner tonight. (laughs) All right. Uh, Shout outs and gear talk. This is my favorite part. Yeah. Other than talking to, uh, what's his name, the guest. But this is my other favorite part. (laughs) You got quite a few of them uh, listed there. Do you want to go first? I do. Uh, right. The first, I, I guess it counts as a gear talk. It's not really shout outs. Um, but Woodcraft stores, I think Rockler, frequently there's one or the other or there's both in your town. Uh, Rockler and uh, Woodcraft are both woodworking focused stores, but they carry a lot of exotic woods that are already Planed, squared up, trued height. So it's a great place to get one or two knives worth of you know, in the quarter, five eighths, one eighths range for exotic woods. And it's already flat, squared, trued. It, it saves you a huge amount of time, or more importantly, if you don't have a planer and a table saw and all that, it's a great resource for exotic woods 
that are ready to be handles. Yeah. Um, and they also are a great source for hold downs and some other things, but generally I just go for the wood. Oh, I just heard that. <laughs> you, there's no way you're going to edit that. Nope. <sighs> uh, I usually go. I, I also like getting my, some of my table saw blades and stuff from them. Uh, there's a rock layer pretty close to me that uh, it's easy to swing up there and grab. Or when I set my saw stop table saw uh, cartridge off with some carbon fiber, I was able to get in the <laughs> truck and run up and grab a new one. <laughs> Kyle is learning all the materials that are conductive. Well, uh, that was my third cut with my treated wood, yeah. uh, carbon fiber. What else have we had? Uh, I've just set it off the one time with carbon fiber. That was that was crazy enough. So carbon fiber is conductive. So if you uh, I was using my push sticks and uh, everything was all good to go and then started to make the cut. And then I heard a big boom. And then I was like, well, what what just happened there? And then I'm like, well, where'd the blade go? <laughs> and then I realized I just flushed two hundred dollars down the drain. So those things are impressive to go from spinning blade of death to stopped in three tenths of a second. Yeah. They say it's less than a quarter of a rotation with the blade. So pretty crazy. Uh, And then I want to give a shout out to chef Bob. It turns out that we might live in a great big world, but the knife community is a small tight family, kind of a crazy situation. Uh, Chef Bob used to be at the French laundry and he heard about my, my French laundry, my Carta product project and came by the booth at blade show and was a little skeptical because that was a pretty bold claim to make and uh we started playing the name game and i finally gave up enough details that he's like all right yeah no i remember working with him that's legit um Hmm. but it was it was just kind of funny that he listened to the podcast he's also a knife maker as well as a phenomenal chef Happened to be in Atlanta and we happened to know people in common that it was, I mean, we're talking like 12 degrees of separation that somehow because of just how beautiful the knife community is, it winds up. We know each other. Very cool. Thanks for listening to the show, Chef Bob. All right. Uh, One of my shout outs is uh, you've seen those, uh, those break off utility razors, right? They have like the big strip and then you can break it to make a new one. I've always like thought that's not really that useful, right? Uh, just throw just throw a new blade in. That's not too terribly bad. Well, uh, Instagram's marketing got me. Mm-hmm. So there's this company called uh, Ofla O L F A. They make this uh, thirty degree one. So if you use those little like uh, project razors, you kind of see it there. Where the, uh, the actually, super thin tip. We're not recording video. I'm talking they, to you. They can't see. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can see the little like sharp point there. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can break, break off those. There's like six different uh, edges there. Yeah. And uh, I always look, or I always use those really thin points uh, with a utility blade uh, to cut the tape and stuff around my pinholes when I'm drilling and stuff for how I tape the, the handles on. Yeah. And, uh, I end up going through those blades really quick and these, you can just break off the tip. So, uh, yeah. and super and, cool. Yeah. One knife is six blades. Yeah. 
And then like the bigger ones, I always just felt like the the big utility blade raid blades were easy enough to put in there. But uh these little small ones, uh they're not nearly as handy to carry around. So you've been converted? Yeah, so I've got a I've got uh four of these now. You're and one of them one goes in my my work apron. Yeah. You've converted me to using a work apron some so you know, it, it, it's all fun and games till a piece of kickback tries to eviscerate you. Yeah. I like it the most for when I'm grinding my blades on my disc grinder. Uh, it's a Kevlar uh, apron that keeps all those sparks and stuff from screwing up my jeans and stuff. I actually have to put a, a patch in mine. Okay. Um, I would have thought that this would have happened as I got bigger, but I've lost about 20 pounds. and. It, it, especially on the high grinds, I really crowd into the grinder to for control. And all of a sudden, this white fuzz was coming up all over the blade. And it, it took me a moment to realize that I had just ground through my leather apron. <laughs> <laughs> and it, Now it'll be easier to go to the bathroom, right? It, it is. Well, and it, <laughs> man, I was frustrated because uh, it was the one that Sarah from Soulbound made for me that had the, the overlaying layers. Okay. Um, and I was all bummed, but she assured me that she can do like a really cool patch job for me. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. the next one is me too. Yep. Um, so those of you in the Southeast probably know about the euphoria food and wine festival in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Chef Craig, uh, me, and Jason Knight will be doing a presentation on Sunday the 18th. Uh, there's a 1 o'clock and a 3 o'clock. Uh, Chef Craig will do a section on knife techniques. Um, he's going to do traditional French-style cuts, a little bit of safety, a little bit of grip, and a lot on processing vegetables and that kind of thing. And then Jason and I will be speaking on simple carbon and modern steels, uh, what to look for in a kitchen knife, why they have the shape that they do, the care and maintenance. Um, there will be food, there will be wine. It will be all of the things that you want in an afternoon's entertainment. So come on out and say, hey. Cool. And uh, that's right. I did say Chef Craig. He's not just standing, but walking. Still with a walker? Yeah, uh, he's using a walking stick now. Uh, he's good. If the surface is, is pretty smooth, he's good for a couple of hours with a walking stick. Uh, he's still got to be careful because they got him pretty loaded on blood thinners. Okay. So a, a, a bad fall could be terminal. So if it's a long way to go or it's towards the end of the day, he'll use a walker. But he, um, I guess I was over there last week. And he'll help. He's gotten to the point now where he props himself up against the counter and start his been prepping dinner. He's going to try to go back to work a couple of hours a day. Um, the doctors are just blown away by his recovery. Awesome. Uh, a lot of you out there have, have kept him in your thoughts and your prayers. And a lot of you on the podcast have, have helped him directly. And I really want to thank y'all. He's been managed. He's, he's been able to keep, he kept the wolves at bay. Uh, he is now back on his feet. Uh, it'll probably be another six, eight months before he's at work full time, but he's, you know, he's already beat the odds. He, yeah. 
he's walking. Um, he can speak. His his voice is back. His laugh is back. Uh, he he's just been impressive. Awesome. Sorry, yeah. I, I, y'all know how I get a little. I carry on. <laughs> now, Chef Chef Craig is cool. Uh, upcoming blade show and knife shows. The Midwest mm-hmm. Knife Makers Guild Hammerins coming up. It's going to be here before you know it, August 19th oh, yeah. through the 21st. I will be teaching my knife filework class that I did at Blade Show there. And Steve Schwartzer is going to be there teaching some mm. uh, canister Damascus and stuff. So that is get there. Yeah. I mean, whatever it costs to get there, to take a class with him, that justifies whatever your cost was. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited to meet him and get to get to actually spend a couple of days uh, around him. So uh, also coming up is the Twin Cities Knife Show, September 30th through August 2nd. That's going to be in Bloomington, Minnesota and uh, the Marriott Hotel 2020 American Boulevard East Bloomington, Minnesota 55425 apparently has uh, blocks of rooms. I'm not sure how many of those are still available, but apparently that's one of the closest ones. Get yours now. Yeah. Get your, get your hotel room to go to that. Uh, it'll be the, the inaugural first year for that show. So a uh, little bit of love for us knife bakers up in the, the North. And Blade West is coming to Salt Lake City, October 5 through 7. Uh, I'll be there full on rocking the full regalia of kilt. Right in front of the door. I will nice. be the average-sized, slightly broad-chested man in a skirt. You can't miss me. You mean uh, kilt? Kilt, yes. Frock, <laughs> kilt, kilt, yes. <laughs> okay, off air, I got to tell you all a story from last weekend. Um, <laughs> remind me, though, it's hilarious. All uh, right. Ethan Becker will be there as well, as, long, as well as some really phenomenal makers from the, the West Coast. Um, yeah. Uh, the last couple of shows I've been to, it has been really phenomenal. I met a lot of makers that for a lot of reasons don't make it out to the East Coast. Um, it's Blade Show, but it's got a little different feel. It's very culinary focused. Uh, it's really outstanding show. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Dan's Rants. What do you got for us today, Dan? Okay. I'm pretty sure I haven't done this one before. If I have, it is worth doing twice. Knife makers, listen to me very carefully. Turn off your grinder, put down your sandpaper, pull over into the emergency lane. Here's what I got to tell you. Put your name on your knives. Okay, <laughs> look, I have heard older makers talk about this. I, I'm not the first person to bring this up, but I have people like come to me with some funky crane, like dry humping a frog with a flower behind it as a maker's mark. And they're like, Hey, we love this knife. Who made this? I'm like, I don't know. Like I have a maker's mark to have an image, a logo. It's an important part, but for the love of God, put your name on it. I put my name on the spine at some point when somebody goes, Hey, I like this knife. I'd like another one. Make it easy for them to find you. Yeah. Stencils aren't expensive. I got a message recently that somebody messaged me and said, I got this knife. It says KH on it. Did you make it? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> was, was it me? 
<laughs> I don't know. Does it say KH daily? <laughs> <laughs> it did not. Yeah. Uh, shocker. Yeah. And right. I get it. You want to be autist, artistic. Most <laughs> of us are autistic too, but that's another show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. You want to be artistic. Mine is a freaking a dogwood blossom. That, you know what? I also put my name on the spine. Because 10 years from now, when somebody wants to order five of these knives that they really love and they look up Dogwood Blossom, they ain't going to find me. Mm. But on my spine where it says Dan Eastland, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be able to find that. Yeah. Cool. Short, concise. I'm not feeling really ranty today. You know, I've had a good week. The bills are paid. The kids are healthy. Beth says she loves me. I'm really, I'm kind of kumbaya tonight. Yeah. Awesome. Want to inter- introduce our guest for tonight? I do. All right. um, normally, I avoid junkies because you know they're all creepy and pale-eyed, and you know they sad story, and they want your spare change. And they're no fun, but sometimes when you need to get the fix, like like just deep down inside, and your knife collection isn't doing it for you, and you're not sure what knife you need next, but you know you need another one. This is the man to go to. Bob DeMarco, fellow podcaster, genuinely fine human being. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thank you guys so much for having me on your show. Well, I mean, it was the least I could do. Um, You had me on. So Knife Perspective Family. Are we calling them family? What's what's our... uh... What's our like tagline for our listeners? If we come it up should be a clan new? with your kilt. Clan. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know what? I'm going to be wearing a green and white kilt before it's long, before long. Yeah. Knife Perspective Clan. If you're not already checking out the Knife Junkie podcast, uh, go check it out. I got deep and personal, really opened up some stuff that you don't normally hear on this podcast. So go check it out. Very cool. I well, can't wait for you. it to come out. Yeah, yeah. It was a great conversation. And that's that's something I love about the show, doing that show, is that, um, you know, I'm having hour-long conversations with people, which is not something I do generally. Um, and, you know, I guess for a long time I was talking at people for an hour about knives and they weren't listening, but, uh, but no, I've really, I've, I've gotten a chance to have some really excellent conversations. And, uh, the one that you and I had last week was, was another one, you know, and it's been so, uh, I've gotten such a great impression of this industry through these conversations. Very cool. You have spoken to some fascinating people and you do a good job of, of kind of breaking past the surface and getting to, not this, not the necessarily the meat, but you actually meet the person. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I think it all has to do with a common love for this thing, and it's not something that is necessarily rational. But I, I I'm on this I'm on this kick recently, saying now I've like like there is definitely something inherently um, appealing across the human race. Uh, about knives and it does it and it and it goes beyond sex and it goes beyond station in life it goes it it goes beyond you know breaks all borders everyone loves knives and uh i think i think cross-culturally the two most powerful things are it 
it is the first tool that converted us from prey to predator. And it's the first dangerous weapon, the first dangerous tool that you are trusted with. Like that, that is just one of those mile markers of this is a dangerous tool and you now have the maturity that I am going to grace it upon you. I acknowledge that you have matured and you're on the path to adulthood. Most definitely. Uh, you know, it, it is, you're, there is a responsibility inherent in it that is exciting. You know, same thing with a, with a firearm. You know, we were talking about that last week, the difference between kind of this, the, the, the feel of the firearm and the feel of the knife and, uh, and also how, how differently people who are enthusiasts for those two different crowds uh, are. And there's, there's something that goes a little bit deeper with knives, I believe. You know, everyone remembers their first pocket knife, um, you know, yeah. for and, sure. And that was, an, that was an earlier, more significant step. It was that, you know, the first is always sweeter. It's always better. It's always more memorable. It was the first really dangerous thing you were trusted yeah. with. Yeah, no doubt. So one of the questions we always like to start off with, Bob, where did you grow up? I grew up outside Cleveland, Ohio, in the suburbs on the on the east side of uh, outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And yeah, that uh, wouldn't you know, be I, Ashtabula, would it? No, or, no. Uh, um, Ashtabula is kind of on the other side of town, but, you know, kind of the same general uh, area. Why are you do you have uh, people from there? Yeah, my aunt and uncle live there and wow. uh, I've got three cousins that are from there, too. So they all they all live in the Cleveland ish area now. So. Went to the University of Akron and stuff there. So, oh, okay. Kyle's got Chicago family. Yeah, yeah, What's and that? you can hear it a, a little tiny <laughs> bit in your voice, just a little bit. You know, <laughs> I mean, your your Chicago thing. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a family man. Oh, I've been yeah. here, <laughs> been here twelve twelve years now. So twelve years. Yeah, I grew up in Southern Indiana. So, oh, okay. Uh, South of Indianapolis guy decided to move to the big city. Yeah, I met my wife. So. That's what uh, caused me to move up here. So you'll find out. Uh, do you want to do? You want to do your question? Skip straight to the one since we're kind of there, Dan. It, you know, it is my single most favorite question. All right, but we got to <laughs> circle back around to the other one. All right, all right. Yeah. For those of you that this is your first time listening, this is really the pinnacle of the podcast. This this is the moment that you truly know what kind of guest we have and it is how did you meet your wife and where does that fall on the Kyle Dan scale? And again, for you, you new listeners, Kyle met his wife on an internet dating service. They fell in love and got married. And then that's a beautiful story. Boring, but beautiful. <laughs> or you can be like Dan who picked his wife up at her grandmother's wake. <laughs> So where'd you, where'd nice. you fall on? How'd you meet your nice. wife here, Bob? Uh, I met, I met my wife at <clears throat> Anderson's martial arts in New York city. And it was, uh, Ooh, it was I the see. first place, uh, you know, that I found where you could train in knife fighting in a Filipino Kali as part of their, uh, Jeet Kune Do program. And I saw, I came, visited the place and I fell in love with it. And I was working out there for a little while. And then one day, uh, my wife came in because, a friend of hers, a guy who I was uh, friendly with, but who would like always catch me in the same choke uh, when we would do jujitsu. Great guy, covered in tattoos, a tattoo artist. 
um, her friend. She was coming to visit him to check it out. She just moved to town. I saw her there sitting next to the punching bags. So I walked over to the punching bags and I started hitting the punching bag. Hey, baby, would you like to yeah, punch I just me? pounded on the punching bag and kind of looked at her and she didn't notice. And then I, I had her in a, uh, <laughs> I had her in a knife fighting class. So I choked her yeah, ass out. I made her see me. I, I, she and I were partnered up in a, in a knife fighting class, you know, where you have uh, plastic knives and we're practicing moves together. And that was how I met her. And we had the hots for each other, but you showed her. Yeah, I did. I did. I showed him my, my footwork won her over. She was like, my Lord, never have I seen such footwork. Now, it was really my stick work that won her over because, you know, Filipino Kali, there's nothing quite like it, you know? Yeah, she was, uh, yeah, she's great. She's amazing. And yes, feisty. And uh, and like you, Dan, uh, uh, and uh, she's a power woman, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, so she can fight and she can go out there and fight with the men in a very male-dominated uh, uh, industry that she's in. And, uh, yeah, that's how I met her. I'm totally claiming this sure. one, dude. Yeah. He, he's my people. Yeah, that sounds pal. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool, cool. I, you know, it was a, it was a good one. And hey, um, Just out of curiosity, was it single stick or two sticks that won? Uh, it was single. Always <laughs> single. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keep it PG, Dan. <laughs> hey, there are two... Different yeah, styles. There's, there's lots of different True Kali. Kali is two sticks, <laughs> but there is a single stick form. Oh yeah. Oh, oh Kali is uh, uh, at least how the, I I learned uh, Pikiti Tertia and Ino um, Ino Santo Lacoste Kali. Those two kind of like mm. together. And um, yeah, man, you can kind of do anything. You know what? I never learned from all of that. Uh, never got to flexible weapons. I I always thought it'd be really cool to to like that movie the accountant be able to whip out my belt and i can do some rudimentary things but i don't want to i would not stake my life on it that's for sure but cool belt <laughs> moves you know wrap someone up and and uh you just look like a badass have you seen that like flexible sword with. from i think it's india that's like 15 feet long yeah it is india the the spring yes, sword that is wild holy cow and they were intended as line breakers. Like they'd put those guys towards the front and they would whip oh, those shit. things around and they would create breaks in the opponent's line that you could then pour oh through. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah it, I, you could uh, see running from that. It would probably <laughs> oh, yeah, it was and makes a it. crazy sound too. And I'm sure they're screaming and are all painted yeah. up. Holy crap. Can you imagine ancient combat and how brutal and terrifying uh, and yeah. exhausting it must yeah. have been. Yeah, you've hiked however yeah. many hundreds of miles to get to wherever mm. your opponent is, too. Yeah. So, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about walls. You just, like, hang out on them. Your house is right there. Your wife can bring you a sandwich. Yeah. You got some yeah. elevation. Mm, I think I'll take him, you know, and you just kind of draw <laughs> your bow and, and pick people off. I, I studied Kali for a while, but I really struggled. I had done... Japanese. I'd done Goshiru and Kodokan Judo for years. Oh God, I love Judo. The look of it. I've never and done it, but I, I, I fully drank the Kool Aid. I love, I love Judo. Um, but the the three three pattern of Kali, mm -hmm. I struggled with because I was so accustomed to the single strike or the parry strike pattern of Judo yeah. that. 
or the Japanese styles that the 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 three 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 on a single stroke. I just, I, you know, like the, the muscle memory just didn't. That's why I liked single stick better. It was a little more. Yeah, it's also a little bit more, a little more realistic. Wanted. I think it's also something like just for day to day. If you you know, it just seems like you're more likely to find one stick than two. Then you could. <clears throat> Uh, but but yeah, the the difference between the Filipino arts and the Japanese arts are 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 similar to the difference between the Japanese arts and the Chinese arts. A lot, uh, you know, with yeah. the Filipino stuff, a, a lot of circular movement, mm-hmm. a lot of broken rhythm, um, and and you know, tri- uh, male female footwork and stuff like that. It's a, there's a lot more flow, you know. Yeah, the, the like the open and cro- closed triangle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I. Uh, Lost my train of thought now. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, that's that's how I met the lady, and so I so she she kind of approves of all of the knife stuff, <laughs> awesome. which is good as a good yes. woman will. So, circling back to close to where you when you grew up or where you grew up, what was yeah. the first knife you remember having growing up? Is the and I keep it close by. Uh, it's a Camillus. It's a Scout knife, you know, with the with the. Uh, pen blade and the bottle opener screwdriver the can opener and the awl uh yeah. that mike when he says he keeps it nearby people you, you kyle deprived you of video on this phenomenal <laughs> show but he literally just reached down and pulled <laughs> it, it out right. from the camera view. You're, you're the one you're the one that says you have the face made for radio yeah, this, is true. <laughs> this thing was given to me by my my grandpa uh tinarelli and it's awesome and and it was well used by him and the blade. You know, you can see. Oh, well, you can't see, but uh, imagine a. That is not the original. Right, profile. exactly. It probably started off closer to a teardrop because you know how they used to make old um, spear points and drop points. They'd give them a little bit of a belly, expecting they'd be sharpened like yeah. this. But what I always used this for as a kid was the all. Yeah. I still use this. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have all these other options. It still has the best. Uh, thing for making holes in leather belts. Oh yeah, haven't had to make a hole in a leather belt in a while, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And uh, you know, sometimes they go in, sometimes yeah, they come yeah, out. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, do exactly. That's I. I just get nylon belts with uh, <laughs> without holes. Uh, yeah, this 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 was the true. Yeah, this was a great knife. Is a great it's knife. And oh, uh, it's like jig bone or what's it's on jigged. the. It's jig. Oh, I'm sorry. It's jigged Delrin, Jordan. actually. Um, and you can s- the finest. Of yeah, Del. yeah, yeah. And you can see how the old stuff it pulls away. This this has shown a little shrinkage. I think yeah. they know about shrinkage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it was cold. <laughs> such a yeah. I love this knife. So one of the things that I've always enjoyed from your podcast that I thought we'd bring over to this one. What are you uh, What are you carrying in your pocket today? Today I have. Today I was carrying an Emerson. I had a I had a weird feeling today, so I wanted something combative. <laughs> uh, Ooh, that is substantial. So this is the Super CQC fifteen. It's a four inch one fifty four cm. The best knife um, steel. V ground, but but chis. I agree. I love it. Uh, he said one fifty four cm, <laughs> not CPM one fifty four. This is a chisel edge, but it's V ground. Uh, kind of nasty but it's got great action um it's uh 
solid. Uh, this was a gift from a listener, and, and that doesn't happen often. And when it does, I'm man, I'm so grateful. But in Emerson, so this one actually uh, he took he took two of his most famous blade shapes, one of them an Americanized Tonto, and one of them a recurve, his commander, and kind of put them together in this, and including yeah. that wave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. So I had uh, I had this in my pocket today. And then also, wait, I had one other thing. Where did I put it? Oh, was over it, here. Was it your was, emotional support knife? That's no, the one no. that always gets me. <laughs> <laughs> the emotional support knife. I don't think uh, I think I think I left that on the kitchen table, but that was a. Uh, Nobody sees the video. You can <laughs> see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, right. See this one this right one. here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Ooh. the Civivi, um uh, uh, praxis. This right here, uh, this is a cool one. This is the, this is an out the front. I live in Virginia and now I can carry and own and sell and manufacture automatic knives. Um, thank you, knife rights. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, knife rights. And so very grateful for that. Been, been using them like I, 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 I feel like this might be a, uh, this is not a politically correct thing to say, but I feel like um, with the automatic knives, I'm like freshly out of the closet and I want to like try everything I can. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so uh, I have been, um, you know, I went out and I spent a lot of money on a new automatic knife and you got to be true to who you are. <laughs> you do. You do. Uh, yeah. So that, but my other carry today, uh, uh, the emotional uh, support knife is more one I bring and leave on my desk at work and flip. Flip, but I carried this. Um, this is one of the Jack Wolf knives. I'm not sure if you know of them, but yeah, I know of yeah. them from your podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> how I how I heard of them the first time. Is that a cool. cliff or a sheep's? Yeah, sheep's it's foot? a sheep's foot. I like that tip with a very very acute point and a fully hollow ground mm. blade of M390 mm. and uh, integral bolster liners and. These things are very, very, very luxe. They're um, manufactured in China by a company that he's not allowed to disclose, but he says, uh, and you can tell, they do a lot of hand finishing, which I, I love. But I think all these companies actually have to to produce these. When you have slave labor that's willing to work for pennies for the hour, you can put the extra time. Well, uh, yeah, and also there's, there is that, but also they have a lot of like, they just have a lot of engineers in China. They, I've, I've read that they, engineer, they graduate more engineers per year than we have in our entire country. You know, so they're Probably. that doesn't. Yeah, me. so they're they're they they have the capacity. I don't know. I don't know if lack of competition stymies this, but they have the capacity at least with all of those engineers to imagine up some pretty amazing things and then actually fabricate or execute on them because they have all that manufacturing they have all those engineers the only thing is is like imagination do you have the imagination and sometimes i don't know maybe us westerners might think that that part of it requires the stimulation of competition i don't know maybe maybe not well culturally they also have a really different concept of intellectual property like there's no such thing <laughs> Yeah, and literally, yeah, uh, because for a long time, the emperor owned everything. Like, if you came up with a, a new form of pottery, the emperor owned that. And then he could license people to make whatever it was that you came up with. But you didn't actually own it. The emperor did. Yeah. 
And so where's the incentive? Yeah. As long as you paid. Yeah. That's exactly right. So culturally, there's no motivation to find a newer, better way because you don't get paid yeah. anymore. It's like they said um, in uh, communist Russia. I've heard this a lot. Uh, we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, but because they had that attitude for thousands of years, they have a distinctly different concept of intellectual property. Mm. Oh, so, I see how you're getting at it. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what were you carrying today, Dan? Did you carry anything? Um, I did. Uh, it's upstairs. It's right, you know, it's right here. Carrying... Oh, yeah. See, this one right here. <laughs> so as you can tell, it's very similar to the old Duke Duke knife. Oh. It's made by Fox. Um, you know, I'm a simplest kind of guy, although they removed the spring like they did at the Duke Duke, and it's like an old Celt knife. But it's just a simple piece of bent brass, a nice 1095 blade. Normally, um, you know, God knows I like modern steels, but you know, every so often you got to go back to the classics. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it's really slim. It's easy to carry. Uh, so carrying that and, of course, my three finger because I just never leave the house without three fingers. Uh, so me, I was carrying the, uh, Doug Ritter Hogue. Oh, I can yeah. never remember the um, RSK Mark whatever one. number, but it's the big one. Uh, the bigger version, the G10. I really like this knife, 20 CV blade. And then one of the other knives that, or I guess it's not really a knife. Uh, I always love this Leatherman Micra little pair of scissors. I use it a ton. It's, uh, one of the things I use the most is this little Phillips drive. It's not actually like a Phillips. It's flat, but uh, they have two little things on there. So you can actually put it in a Phillips screw. But it, it fits in the Phillips slot. Yeah. So it kind of goes both yeah. ways. And then I use this uh, nail file and thing to clean out all the gunk that I get under my fingernails while I'm grinding. So mm-hmm. use those two a bunch. And that uh, Ritter Hogue RSK Mark One. <laughs> It took me a long time to to get that to roll off the tongue, but that that is an awesome. The Ritter RSK. That, that's the uh, yeah, yes, uh, that's the former um, Ritter Griptilian. You know, so mm-hmm. so back before Benchmade swore off all OEMs, and that was crazy because that Ritter Griptilian was uh, man, at least on the secondary market, always drew tons of money. Still does. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It still does. But now that Hogue has taken that design, you know, they, they lengthened the handle ever so slightly, like a mini grip never quite felt like it fit in my hand. Right. And I don't have huge hands. And, um, but they, 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 I think they made the handle just right. The blade is, has always been perfect. And they nailed the axis style lock with their able lock. So yeah, yeah, that's a great knife. I'm still right on the edge. They, uh, had that flash, uh, release sprint run where they, uh, they did the the Hogue version in carbon fiber with the Magna Cut blade. Yeah, yeah, that sold out in twenty four hours. Unfortunately, yeah. well, they're doing a second <laughs> second pre order. High tech, so, science, sexy. Yeah, um, I've been really close and put my name in on that, but just don't really need to need to save the money. It's a hard thing to do. You know, I, I hoard myself out to technology and just finished a. Uh, Magna Cut eight inch chef's knife with uh, chatoyant carbon fiber from Johnny Blaze. Mm-hmm. Complete hoard of science, I admit it. Nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. You ask Rembrandt, you bring him to the modern day, 
and you offer him a 4K video camera or a palette of oil paints, see what he picks up. Hugh will be airbrushing T-shirts at, <laughs> yeah. at Ocean Beach. <laughs> All righty, Dan, man, do you want to? All right. Um, what made you want to get more involved in the industry? Like, When did you take the dive from fan to physical participant? Yeah. Yeah. And do you regret no. it? No. <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this, guys. No. Um, so I, I started making review videos in 2013, and I made maybe 20 or, I don't know, 30. And then I just kind of lost interest for a while because it, it was harder at that time. At 2013, I didn't – my phone camera was – I, you know, I wouldn't, you didn't have 4k. Yeah, I, I had to, you didn't have the light. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had to borrow a camera from work and set it up and, and edit it and upload it. And my, my, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't, you know what it was? It was like, I needed to, the camera was set for porn and you needed like the tight yeah, shot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, you know the deal. We all have to deal with it. Uh, I, I did not, uh, I just wanted to talk about knives, I think. And that's why I made some videos and then I, it kind of petered out. And then uh, years, like four or five years later, well, it's about five years later, I guess, uh, Jim, uh, my producer, my, uh, or I should say the producer of the Knife Junkie podcast. He's not my producer. Uh, we, we work 50, I mean, without him, this show would not exist. Uh, but he, we work together. I produce some podcasts for him at our job. And, uh, he's like, you should do this. Like I'm, I'm, uh, this, I'm speaking in Jim's voice now. Uh, I really love the technology behind it. And he's, he's also very, Wow, Jim sounds a lot like Bob. He's very, yeah, his voice is so, he's got such a rich, lovely voice. Sounds just like this. Um, he he really likes the, the cross. Because you can hear it on episode one of The Knife Junkie. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, likes all the background Sorry. stuff. He likes the producing stuff. He likes the figuring out different platforms. And, the, and the, he likes all the internet mm. side of it. But He's your Kyle. Yeah. Except he doesn't have a love of knives he, and he doesn't, he's like, <laughs> like my interest is the actual production part. Your interest is the knives. I wish I had an interest like that, but you don't want to, you know, like, look freak show. You go talk about that stuff. I'm going to make you sound really good. Exactly. That's pretty much how it worked out. And and I was like, nah, that sounds stupid. No one wants to hear, <laughs> hear about knives. And then I was driving around listening to this, this podcast and these guys were such goofballs. And I was like, you know what? We can do this. And I talked to Jim. We started doing it, and um, but really, you asked why, and uh, I and and I think it's because I I lost the fire in my belly for my chosen career. You know, I was like, I'm good at this, and I like the people I work with, and and uh, but I'm like, uh, but I always had this nagging feeling, like, but I should have goals in this career besides you know being in a good job, something other than a paycheck. Yeah, something like, oh, I can't wait till I kick ass in this job to the point where X, Y, and Z happens. It's not like that. I was like, you know, there's always, there's like an, I, I always need to be doing something creative. And my job is very creative. And I went to school for art. And there, I always have to have these, uh, you know, which was a, 
a, a harder road to hoe than you might expect. But uh, but I always have to have. Uh, You're the rare one that actually has paid off their student loans. Uh, no, I was lucky not to have them. There's a huge <laughs> difference uh, because my yeah. wife paid off her student loans and <laughs> and it took her many years. And so uh, the advantage of being a college dropout is I didn't really have student loans, but I distinctly remember when when Beth paid off her last loan and we went out and had a really fancy dinner of, you know, like shrimp. <laughs> it's a, I mean, I, I remember it was a, it was a great feeling. So yeah, it was like, you know, I'm, I've always been passionate about knives. I've always been collecting knives. My taste is always changing uh, with knives and evolving. And it, and it's not just one thing. I like, I, lo I love swords. I love uh, fixed blades. I love customs. I love like, like, the cheapest Walmart piece of shit out there. Like I really like it. Like junkie is not a, a joke in name. Be, and the reason I say that is because like, like I can, like I have had times where I do actually, I'm going to go get a fix. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to Walmart and see what they have. I know what they have. I've been there 80 billion times and, uh, and I might buy something I might not, but it's just a love of knives and blades of all persuasions. That's it. And and then I figured, like, I'd love to meet these people who do this. Yeah. I saw a funny meme so recently the that uh, said, uh, talking to the guy at the Cabela's counter, it had showed the Ron Swanson, I know more than you. Thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's yeah. trying to talk to him there. about steals. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm like, just just get that one off the, the wall and hand it to me. Like, yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to tell me about it. I, I know yeah. all about it. That's yeah. that's me at five eleven. And I'm 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 and sure he, they hear that like from a lot of people that don't. But yeah, uh, but yeah. I do. Yep. So as you've delved deeper in the industry and you you've kind of gotten more educated, has your your taste in knives, what you look for in knives, changed? Are you still that full on junkie that handle on one side, blade on the other? Show me the Jayhawk 5000 from the uh, from the convenience store next to the the collectible. Uh, literally, no. Uh, figuratively, yes. If it's well made, and I gotta say, like <laughs> I gotta say, all these well made yes, cheap no. Chinese knives, they they are a temptation because because no longer is quality the issue. There are other yeah. issues, and and some of them are ethical, but. If it's blue anodized, it will cut somebody <laughs> in seven different directions. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. So, so actually, to that point, my my tastes have evolved. I um, love have it, it has always been knife as a weapon for me. Always, uh, even as a young kid, or or at least uh, I'm a man, a rugged man who lives by his wits mm -hmm. and his knife on his belt. And sometimes that's a knife because I grew up in this. You know, uh, I. I started life in the seventies and I watched Grizzly Adams and all those shows at land of the lost. Everyone had a Bowie knife on their hip. And that, you know, I, that's what a man is. You ain't afraid to cut them up. No, not at all. But, but, but this is the kind of thing these like knives, uh, as that's a tool with a specific, yeah, I'm holding a push dagger a push right dagger now. Yeah. And, and this kind of thing, uh, pocket knives that are aggressive and in the four inch range, that is really my wheelhouse doing this show and meeting all these people and considering 
all these different kinds of knives has been a blessing and a curse because now uh, all these other knives I never considered are things I'm acquiring and and look going after and my sub collections are growing and yeah the scales have fallen from your eyes and you can see the world as as it really is now that that yes yes that is true and i see the value in things way beyond what my initial taste for you know collecting was very cool what do you look for in some of the knife makers that you review or reviewed or talk about on the podcast uh is there any Anything well, you're you're kind of looking for for who you're choosing, or just kind uh, of people oh, that you oh, I see what you mean. come uh, up with? You know, uh, I have to be interested in their knives first. That that doesn't necessarily mean I have to have been following them or been a fan of them for a long time, or or uh, even no, you know, some. So they just have to be making interesting knives. First of all, I find a lot of people on Instagram. I had the pleasure of meeting Dan live. You know, I was introduced by a trusted, uh, by a trusted. Uh, uh, you, you can say Clay. He's a friend of the show. I was going to say by by a trusted um, acquaintance friend, uh, but yeah, by Clay. And um, so for me, that was all. Dan came already vetted, and I looked at his work. I was like, oh. Um, so sometimes it happens like that, but most of the time I'm captivated by um, watching a maker's work evolve, say, through Instagram. That's a huge thing for me because you can keep visual tabs on all of these knives and, you know. And you can see the progression and see as they develop and as they refine and they go, okay. Yes. He just went from a guy that makes knives to a knife maker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen I. I've seen that. You've seen that. I've seen that many times. And uh, so I, I've I've had the, the the pleasure of speaking with people like Ken Onion and Ernest Emerson and like some some real knife heroes. And uh, and then and then people who are, you know, upstarts making amazing knives. My God, this guy's only been making knives for for a year. Like, look at this. Oh, my God. And then, you know. Uh, getting a chance to to try them out and see, yeah, this this person really does have a gift for this. Or uh, I also love family stories. I love uh, so many of the knife makers I've spoken with have family members involved in their ventures. Uh, sometimes it's the entire family bent in that same direction. Uh, or sometimes it's like uh, like Dan or or maybe you, Kyle, also with a loving, supportive wife or spouse who's just with really good insurance egging yeah. you on yeah yeah egging yeah. you on you can't be a knife maker go ahead i'll give you a year oh shit you know and then boom so yeah because uh spouses in this case women tend to push you in in a great direction so i love all those kind of stories um uh, but for knife makers i say first and foremost making interesting knives and then i also love to see when someone's changing modes like oh that person's been making uh fixed blades the whole time and now they're making a folder i want to talk to them about what it's like going from one to the other so just interesting people who have interesting stuff going on so uh what steels do you like and why is it s35 vn <laughs> i do very much like s35 vn <laughs> but as we were saying before um i i okay I am a superficial guy 
in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is that I am, I do correlate cost with what I have been told is really special steel. Meaning like if I'm paying 200 bucks for a folder, I want what I have been told is a special steel. I say what I've been told because I never push blade steel anywhere close, anywhere close to their limits. But but in a $200 folder, you're not looking for 440. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not even, uh, you know, I bought I bought a $200 uh, a Southern Grind folder. I liked everything about it, but it kept sticking in my craw. I spent 200 bucks on this and it's 14C28N. Now, don't get me wrong. I love 14C28N, but I spent 200 bucks, you know, that kind of thing. If you can get a Ferrari, why are you driving a Camry? Yeah, or, or why are you driving a uh, yeah a, a Camry with Pirelli tires or whatever? Um, <laughs> but oh, that's a much better analogy. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> but but uh, so so part of me likes the the alphanumeric combinations of certain steels. I like to hear that the 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 money I'm spending is getting me M390. But really, what I love is 154 cm. And not CPM 154 necessarily, but 154 CM. Uh, hey, well, thanks for coming on. It's been great having you. <laughs> I do have. So, so the reason I say that is I, I, I have tons of 154 CM. I only have one CPM 154, and it's on a ProTech automatic, and it is sharp as hell. It's the first D2 I ever had. But I haven't um, – I mean, not D2. It's the first uh, – 154 I particle had steel. and it was the first particle steel but I I don't know um I haven't been able to like tell the difference honestly so since I have much more experience with 154 that's what I I'd, I'd, I'd have to be honest and say that's that makes me feel the best yeah I'm a big fan of 154 cm and I've used it most of most of the knives I've made have all been that and it's been recently that I've started using the CPM 154, and it's literally double the cost of the steel Whoa. Uh, going to the powdered metal. Uh, I do feel like it fit like finishes a little bit better because the carbides are not as big, so it, it sand hand sands a little bit easier. Uh, but once you're done hand sanding Magna Cut, everything seems like butter. But um, oh, geez, it's uh, <laughs> yeah the I I really I really like 154. It's it's a good it's a good steel. It doesn't, it's holds an edge for a long time. I feel, and it's a good, good value. It's easy for uh dilettantes to sharpen too. I, I like the chemistry of 154. I like, um, once you go to powdered steel in it, the finer grain structure, you get a little bit keener edge. You get a little better edge retention. You get, I have found you get a little more toughness. I'm not sure if that's proved out. But it, it's one of the reasons I drank the the powdered steel Kool-Aid. Let me ask you guys this, uh, actually. Um, and I've been thinking about this recently um, because I love the, all right, like I said, like I admitted, I'm a bit superficial. I do love the look of a polished <clears throat> blade, you know, super mirror polished blade. But what about a toothy edge? Sometimes it seems like a toothier edge it might be, uh, more effective at say cutting a tomato or or a, a bell pepper, something with a a taut skin. Depends. Depend. Some of it depends on the steel. Like ten ninety five likes to have a little bit of a toothier mm -hmm. finish, and then it depends on what you're doing. 
if you've got to cut really fibrous materials, a really toothy, aggressive edge works. If you're doing rough butchering, that, that toothy edge is really aggressive mm-hmm. and it's great. But if you're carving a roast, you want a really finely polished edge for those clean, smooth cuts. So there's, there's a place for both. Okay. It depends on the steel and, and the, what you're using it for. Right. Okay. Sorry, Kyle. I just jumped all <laughs> over you. I didn't mean to do that. I just, that's fine. I just got finished having this discussion with somebody else. So I was all teed up. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I, I personally try to go for more of a polished edge. I feel like the polished edges uh, last a little longer than the toothy edges. Um, but like Dan said, like uh, I've heard lots of knife makers say for like 1095, don't sharpen above like a thousand grit or something like that. Cause it just doesn't, it doesn't cut any better because it likes the, the more toothy edge with how the, the steel is. So on some of the powder metal steels, you can get a more polished edge the the magna cut stuff um i strop with one micron diamond paste and that seems to to really cut uh extremely well and it's kind of the aha moment for me was i was working with the leather worker and we were cutting out some patterns and he used my knife he's like your knife is more dull than mine but it cuts better i'm like well that you just said two plus two is five that doesn't work and he showed me that his would shave and mine wouldn't but cutting leather, my really finely polished edge was cutting more smoothly than his more coarse mm-hmm. edge. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in a medium like leather. Yeah. And then I think I actually I think it was I think it was Ethan that I was sharpening a, a ten ninety five blade and I started to go up to like a fifteen hundred grit hone. He's like, What are you doing? I'm like, Well, I'm making this appropriately sharp. And we had to walk it back and I had to eat a little crow when I found out that 1095 cut better at a 600 grit than it did at a 2000 grit. Something about the the structure and the carbides and how keen an edge it would take that 1095 likes to be toothy. Yeah. I love 1095 too. I do. I know it's simple, (laughs) but I love 1095. Yeah. Hey, it was cutting edge technology in the 1920s, and there was no reason to evolve beyond that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so um, we talked about your, your podcast a little bit. How do you pick what knife models to promote on the show? I know you have some like you were talking about uh, all lockbacks the other day, what I was listening to. And, oh, OK. Um what do you just kind of like look through your collection and pick a feature or is it more something more thought out than that? Yeah. So I do um, in, in terms of the close up videos, I don't call them reviews because people get all uh, uptight about using the word review because they're like a lot of people think like if, if you're not carrying it every day for, you know, 10 months and using it on every you know, how can it be a review if you're not doing that? So I just say it's a close up look because that's what it is. Oftentimes, uh, the knives I'm showing off, I haven't had a, a chance to use a lot. Uh, but you get to you see en- enough knives, you kind of know um, what's going to perform 
in what way? If, if it's thin behind the edge, it'll probably be slicey, you know, and and you can do tests like that. But if it's a double-edged stiletto, it may not be good for yeah, farming. Yeah, exactly. So I choose the knives based uh, mostly on what I find interesting. In other words, I do not feature, uh, I am not a channel, and there are many great ones, really, really great ones that I watch that feature all the latest things as they come out, like these are the these are the next five knives that Kaiser Knives is re- is coming out with. This is the newest. This is the best. Well, not always. This is the best, but this is the newest. I like, and 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 that's where those those channels get tons of viewers because all of all of the knife people, myself included. Oh, did you see that new Savivi? I want to see what that. I wonder what Jared Neve thinks of that Savivi. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh so it's that. Um, and then on the midweek supplemental, it's a show where it, that is usually, uh, uh, Kyle, what you're talking about, where I will single out a certain feature and kind of talk about it. These are these are knives with inlays or these are knives with really great action or what is really great action? Does action matter? You know, these are lockbacks. This is how a lockback works. Those are the kind of things I like to kind of hammer on about for the midweek supplemental. They're um so so it's kind of a deep dive. yeah yeah just right exactly on on one little nerdy topic and then i show off you know it is a visual show so i show off uh 10 to 15 knives and talk about because bob does have a, a face for video unlike kyle yeah <laughs> yeah not really I, i've had a, a lot of people say dude you look so stoned you look totally baked when you're doing your show and i'm like yeah that's because there's a bright light right here and 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 the people I'm looking at are down below. So it looks like, you know, my eyes are drooping. Uh, anyway. Um, speaking of kind of details and, and fine tuning and that sort of thing, blade thickness. You've got to use a lot of different knives in a lot of different styles. Have you kind of dialed in? Is there a thickness that you look for? I I don't have a preferred thickness. Um yeah, I mean, I guess I would say uh, for for the different uh, different style knives, I guess for outdoor knives, I like a little chunkier knife. I don't really I don't really have a preferred thickness, except there's nothing wrong with liking them. A little I know, bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, except uh, the knives you sent me, uh, the Dogwood custom knives you sent me. I, I really um, when I buy another kitchen knife or when I buy another uh, knife like that, I am going to go for the 16th of an inch um, that you have like that's super thin. I I have discovered that uh, though I might not have a measurement, uh, I love super thin. And now a part of my everyday carry in the summer, it kind of dwindles, but I love fixed blade uh, tactical knives and, and small ones meant for everyday carry. And I, I do carry small fixed blade knives frequently. And this company, JB knife and tool out of Texas, has been making yeah that's an appropriate yeah, thickness sixteenth of an inch same thing as your mm-hmm. as your knives and for a self defense knife you know it's sharp on both sides it's meant for gross motor uh, motion it's you know it's a it's a cat's claw basically but at that real mm-hmm. thin um, measurement you can still do incredible feats of strength with steel that's that thin if it's well heat treated. A lot of people don't realize that the frame of an F-150 pickup is three thirty seconds of an inch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 
if you can do everything that you do with a three quarter ton pickup with three thirty seconds of an inch for the frame. Yeah, your knife will probably be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but lately, uh, especially for pocket knives, I'm liking them thin. I like it to just slip between the, the molecules when I'm cutting, you know. Both reasonable and correct. Um, any handle materials that you uh, you geek out for right now? Is there something? Uh... Uh, I love micarta for an everyday. Uh, for everyday, I'm, I've never been a huge carbon fiber fan, though there are all these beautiful carbon fibers now that have that have turned the tides for me. I'm I'm going to give you a moment to to fix yourself, <laughs> and then we can come. I don't like the regular basket weave carbon fiber, like the first stuff yeah. for the first couple of years, and that's when I hardened my dislike for it. Even though I appreciated the lightness, I just didn't like the way it looked. And well, it all looked the same for a while. Yes, yes, it did. And now with the sh- different shred and, and different companies just um, taking ownership of different patterns, now it's an exciting field, kind of like micarta, you know, with the with GL Hansen and Sons and different people doing different things with micarta. Love that for a fancy special knife like like this knife or or others. I love um, stag. I love stag. And natural uh. materials, uh, <laughs> wood. Do you like wood? No, especially no stag yeah. over wood. I do like wood, but but uh, yeah, on a big Bowie knife, I would love to get a have a custom made Bowie knife or a big custom sax with the full stag, you know, crown and the whole nine yards. It's dramatic and it feels good in hand. I triple charge for bone or antler. So nasty, isn't because it? To work my with. shop smells like burnt hair for like uh. three days. Like I'll be over there trying to eat my lunch and all <laughs> I can smell is burnt uh. hair. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it's worth it. So, <laughs> From my perspective. So if you've got bone or stag on your handle, really appreciate. The knife maker didn't just struggle when he was making your knife. Like he had to endure that discomfort for days after yeah, the knife. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. that's funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the knife and this knife itself was a. I, I I asked for a lot of different things at once that made it not the easiest knife to make. And so adding stag on. Oh, you're one of those yeah, guys. I think I am. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, so that's. Uh, hey. Quick shout out. Who made that one? This is uh, from Hogtooth Knives, Matt Chase out of Massachusetts. Um, he's awesome. He's currently making a, uh, I, I, this was a very expensive knife that was commissioned by my parents for my birthday last year, for my 50th birthday. I'm very lucky. I have awesome parents. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, it is a big one. And this, uh, I've always loved uh uh, Bob Loveless sub hilt folders or sub hilt fighters, and uh, that long sinew or that long double edged clip point. I mean, that's double edged fully. Yeah. That's fifteen n twenty and ten ninety five, and that patterns yeah. well, kind of like an X. So that, yeah, what's kind of like an X pattern in the Damascus there? Yeah, yes, yeah. He's making my mom. Oh, I. She's not listening. Uh, she's he's making my mom a set of uh, like a, a kitchen and like a a, a six inch chef's because my mom is quite petite uh, and a little paring knife because my dad, you know, he loved the experience of working with him to get this. And so he's like, I'm going to 
he's given him more business. And I love that. I've, I've actually turned my father into a knife junkie in his eighties. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Good yeah. work, Bob. Cause the first taste is free. But yeah. After that, <laughs> Good work, Bob. He said, yeah, he is. A, I mean, he'll lurk around. He's like, yeah, it was on the, uh, it was on the off grid knives website. What do you think of the, you know, I'm like, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think you should buy it. Get two. <laughs> you don't have much time yeah. left you gotta just, really fill yeah, out just, your collection just go for it dad like with abandon that's funny um um we could talk about lock types but those are really just broken knives and we're not broken knife people so let you know let's let's skip right on to uh thursday night night oh yeah that's great thursday night what's the deal with that's that? our uh our live it's our weekly live show it's at 10 10 p.m eastern standard time on youtube facebook and twitch i don't even know what twitch is it's something the kids do uh but we're live there <laughs> and uh usually they're topless playing video games is that what it is i don't know I'm, so I'm no one is over there watching us is it like <laughs> that's funny they're like Oh, you got your shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a guy talking about you're like, okay. Uh but but Thursday Night Knives is our live show and it's great. And um I'm lucky because I don't have to manage the comments. I I can just I can just respond to them because Jim is over there taking the comments, putting them in lower thirds, popping them up, and I just I have conversations with people. It's really cool. It's like I I'm sitting there for two hours basically talking to my talking to my computer and people are commenting and every once in a while someone will just join all you got to do is go to the knifejunkie.com slash join and you can pop right on and you know so that happens sometimes but it's a structured show every show is the same but different and um i always pick a topic of conversation to anchor us but i do a pocket check up front and a lot of banter just a lot of chit chat and uh and then i I'll I'll show two knives that are new in the industry that week and then more chit chat. It's just a lot of talking. And then we do a knife fight at the end where where there's a debate over some hot knife topic like lock back or frame lock, you know, and and then I debate with someone or I debate myself or sometimes we skip it. But it's just a fun live thing. Um it's kind of cool uh, when we did ours I noticed that um, the labor involved in kind of the rolling screen of as we're talking, you know, he's throwing in uh, facts, reference points. Like it, it, it added a depth to the the podcast that was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, you should take. Notes. I think. I think <laughs> <laughs> Jim is. Jim is. Uh, man, he adds such value to the show. He was originally. Um, part of the show, he was like the foil, or uh, I don't, I don't want to put it that way, but he was the guy who didn't know about knives, and and yeah, uh, he, and he was the Tim to uh, your app. right, right, and there was a bit of that, and and at some point he was like, you know, I I could be so much more valuable if I'm not on, <laughs> because I have all these ideas and I have all all these cool programs I could be using, but I can't do them while I'm on screen, and I don't add much because I don't know about, and I was, uh, you know. Uh, me like my first thing, oh shit how am i supposed to do this alone and then and he's like don't worry about it who am i talking to for hours on end just you can do this no problem and so i was hesitant but then i did it and i was like that's fine it's fine and it works great from my end because he's there and 
every, 100% of his energy is spent on managing running the show. Well, it, it frees you up to just go with the flow. Yeah. And then it's phenomenal support of he he's filling in the cracks. He's adding to, he's given some depth. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a really cool dynamic, obviously different than Kyle and I. Yeah. Well, we work together in our, at, at at our job, Your yeah. Day our job. Day, I mean, our day jobs are adjacent, and there is one uh, project for the last ten years we've been working on together. So, yeah, pretty much. So, so you know, I do for him at work what he does for me on this. Except he does way more for me on this than I do for him at work. So, um, yeah, like Kyle and I. Are <laughs> Uh, so the, okay. wait, I've seen a couple Dife town halls. Oh, yeah. Um, can you explain kind of what you do with that? Yeah. The, those p- popped up, uh, during the, we started doing those, uh, right. I think the first one was maybe April, 2020. So right. Uh, as people were locking down and, and, uh, it was just a kind of a, it was the first one we did was right when. I don't know the the whole the national the world mood was pretty dire and and no one was leaving their home so I was like uh, well maybe we can get some of these knife makers that we've talked to on the show and get them together in like a big I was thinking of like the Jerry Lewis telethon things you know where they have all these different acts you know <laughs> but uh, we had we had the very first one I I had three co-hosts that I invited on because I didn't think I could do it and that was kind of a mistake. Uh, because I realized, like, oh, I want to do all the talking. <laughs> I want to do all the interviewing and the asking. And but, 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 so I had those co-hosts, but I had seventeen guests on, uh, and I scheduled them out over about a four and a half hour period. You know, we had a, a lot of like the big, big name guys, like Greg Lightfoot. Some of the older school guys that I had had on came on, and then some of the newer uh, school guys, and then some of the newest. And uh, it was a great combination of people over that four hours kind of coming in for a little 20 minute segment and talking about their latest stuff or whatever it was. And then and then we would kind of stagger in someone else. So then you would have Ernest Emerson talking with Greg Lightfoot for a few minutes, was which was, you know, exciting. And then one person would leave. And you know what I mean? It was kind of like a um it's chaotic, organic. You never knew it was coming out, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and it was a chance for for viewers to get a whole bunch of different people on one show without having to watch a whole whole bunch of shows. I also uh, encouraged people to come on and ask questions. No one came on. It's really easy. You just go to knifejunkie.com slash join. Brings you right there. Uh, and but people didn't want to come on, but they were asking questions. You know, so it was a it was a fun fun thing we did four of those and uh my appetite for them has uh, waned a little recently but it's a lot of work isn't it it is and i I, i'm finding that it's better to have a little bit more time i'd rather now talk to fewer people and have more time with them than just to blast through yeah yeah it'd be like hey dan eastland good to have you here well tell me about your latest project and then try and rush you through a 17 or 20 minute segment and then like you know oh god he's talking he's still talking he's yeah. got we got to get dan out of here you know? Dude, shut up i, got <laughs> yeah, the like, I don't want to do that but you know every once in a while we're going to do a birthday bash we did that last year because jim and i are both august birthdays and it ends up being just like a town hall except we're giving away a ton of stuff so it's an expensive town hall as they should be 
<laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, on that note, who are some of your favorite guests and why? Mm-mm-mm. Uh, well, I mean, there, there are some people that I had on, um, like I mentioned, Ernest Emerson, for instance, or, um, or, uh, Ken Onion or people whose reputations really preceded me, uh, you know, but like they were doing knives long before I was in the knife industry or not in, in interested in collecting and collecting knives and stuff. So to talk to Bob Terzuola, for instance, he was another guy like that who was just uh and and, and Alan Alishowitz people who were godfathers of the tactical folding knife thing which is my absolute that's my final wheelhouse if you will that's your Kool-Aid um so those people but i mean Alex Steingraber uh who's a a, a younger knife maker who's been uh, who after a couple of years of really investigating heat treating in different steels and making super thinly ground uh, EDC knives has transitioned into making um, folders and it's a, and he's someone who documents everything on Instagram. So, um, and he happens to be a, a good conversationalist. So I love having him on the show because he's always got something um, interesting that he's innovating. I love the people who are innovating. I think it's, uh, it's, it's hard to find people that, on the knowledge side can deep dive, but can talk about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, generally we self select to be by ourselves and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The, I, I think I know what you're getting at. And, and some, some people uh, like Andy Roy, I had him on, he was awesome um, because to me, like his, uh, his knives. And I know you're, you, you have a very close association his knives, uh, especially the handles, were dazzling to me, and that I had a little mythology in my head built up around them. So then to meet him, and he's kind of a mild mannered uh, uh, dude, or at least he was on the show. I don't know what he's like in the <laughs> shop, um, but he was, you know, was just, yeah, he's not mild. Yeah, I guess I just got the wrong impression. But no, listen, I mean, it was listen, like really listen cool. Listen to any of the Dylan Fletcher episodes on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's the company. There are stories involving. If you throw another knife and it hits me, I'm going to pull it out and stab you with it. <laughs> Sounds like a conversation that might happen in a knife shop. <laughs> yeah. One of the other questions I had was, if someone hasn't heard your podcast before, is there any good episodes mm-hmm. for them to start on to, that you feel like would be good ones to some of their first ones? Dan Eastland. <laughs> no, I, well, it's not up yet. Uh, yeah, no, I know, but but you know what? It's I'm working on. I usually, it. No, I've gotten a little older. <laughs> I usually feel, and this this is, uh, I usually feel like it's my like latest, some of my latest ones. Um, I, I but, uh, and that's only because as a podcaster and as a um, conversationalist or interviewer or whatever, I feel like I'm improving, and and so. Each time I feel like maybe I've gotten a little better. For me, it's like uh, it's been a struggle to get off of notes. And um, so, I mean, but that was a goal for me that I set in something I was doing at work a long time ago. And I kind of failed at it at the work application. But I'm like, damn it, I'm going to I'm going to succeed at it at it here. So uh, I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) What are what are some podcasts that you might be good for somebody to start with i'm sorry i'm sorry so for the interviews it's always kind of the latest ones um 
the 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 earlier shows are are great. They're all I mean, to me, they're all great. But I would start at the latest ones and move backward. But any one in particular, I would actually say for for a primer on Knife Junkie, you know, I, I would look at the birthday bash last year or I would look at one of the town halls because they show a, a wide cross section of the different people I interview. That is the real unique selling proposition of the Knife Junkie podcast are the are the guests I have on the show. I'm just kind of some dude what likes to collect knives. Uh, but but I get to talk to some really, really interesting people. And and uh, and to me, that's the that's the value of the show. So I would start with an interview and probably a recent one. Yeah. One of the ones you did recently um, was with Matt Christensen. He's he's oh, close yeah. to me. He actually helped me uh, do this uh, like flipper uh, frame Ooh. lock that I never actually finished. It doesn't it doesn't lock. Um I started it before the, my twin boys that are now six uh, uh-huh. were born. And then uh, I was going to come down and he was going to help me cut the lock and stuff for it. And uh, the boys were born and never made it back down. So, yeah, Matt's a great guy. And he is. A, hopefully yeah. I can get back down to his shop and finish that one sometime. He is a great well, guy. And a, another like young, masterful dude. I mean, I, I know I got to be careful with using the word master, but I mean, he's just man, he's a <laughs> he's amazing I, I am blown away by um i'm blown away often by uh what young you know i guess it's really easy to make the assumption that the younger generation is just you know lazy or whatever but uh you know you some really incredible stuff coming out of uh just some some young hands you know it's pretty amazing yeah and you were talking earlier about like which podcast to check out Podcasts tend to be really organic. If you like what you're hearing now, listen to some of the newer podcasts. If you go all the way for us, if you go all the way back to the like the first Knife Perspective podcast, we were still trying to figure it out, yeah. our dynamic, you know. That first episode is entirely different than the episode you're gonna hear tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it gets to be a balance. If if you're looking for something a little more polished, don't go too far back. You, you're going to find some stuff you don't like because we we're figuring it out back then. Yeah. And if you don't show an evolution, you're not, you know, obviously, if you don't show an evolution, you're not doing it right. Mm. And, and you know, sometimes like if it's a big money polished thing, uh, they'll they'll workshop it until it's ready to spend the money. But for guys like you and me, uh, you know. Yeah, you start, you figure it out, you get better. You start the oh, I like I like having segments, or I don't like having segments, or and maybe I need to lose the questions, or maybe I need to do more research, or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> that's usually my big thing. <laughs> like I need to do a couple of schmucks in their basement. Uh, they're they're just going to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. So you have a, and I I am that schmuck, by the way. <laughs> You have a Patreon. Uh, do you want to explain some of your different tiers? You got the traditional junkie, the tactical junkie, yeah. and the gentleman junkie. Yeah, that's uh, and and I, I'm thinking of doing ludicrous. Gun- I, I might I might do like a ludicrous mode where where you can <laughs> some crazy. The gentleman does powder, like, you know, from a hundred dollar bill. Whereas, yeah, exactly. Like like get get the get the drunk guy who happens to be on Patreon and is feeling good. 
and excited about knives at that moment. Sure, I'll give this kid 500 bucks. No, um, kid, this 50 year old kid. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, no, no, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. At 50, you are a very young man. Uh, you know, Kyle may not realize that, but I completely understand that 50 is really just getting yeah, started. I, you know, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Kyle's clearly just a babe in arms. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, Has not seen the world yet. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that old, but uh, I've been at my, my job that I used to work at and stuff. I had a bunch of. Golly uh, gee, I've been out of the cornfield, guys. I don't know why you're giving me a hard time. Yeah. Just out of the just out of college people that were like twenty two to twenty five and yeah, make make some jokes and they like they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, what? <laughs> so uh so on, on Patreon we got the three levels of support. Traditional junkie is three dollars a month, tactical junkie is five dollars a month, and and uh gentleman junkie is ten dollars a month and and really ten dollars a month yeah, really? yeah, yeah that that is not much to support a habit yeah well you know i i figure uh, a lot of that's why a i want to add another level but also people you know they might be supporting other podcasts and they also have knives to buy so i want to make yeah, it yeah, realistic and I, we also do an annual thing and you save like 12 percent if you buy it if you do it annually but Really, what it gives. I appreciate you not cutting into their knife. Budget, yeah, well, that's you know, really important. I gotta look. I gotta look out for everyone, you yeah, and them. You are, you, uh, God, you're yeah. a gentleman. Well, thank you, thank you. So yeah, so uh, oh, the the ten dollar, the gentleman junkie. The only real difference there is that you get entered into a knife giveaway, and I don't really remember what the difference between three and five bucks are. There are different perks. But but everyone gets these interview extras like Dan, like we did the other night. Okay. And uh, and uh, I'm doing some exclusive content with uh, with the guy that I train um, martial arts with who does some pretty interesting knife stuff. And I'm just going to show it for just for um, informational purposes. It's not purely for entertainment purposes, because yeah, people might not really even know what real some real knife techniques look like and there are a lot of different this is uh this is this cool stuff that uh it's 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 way way more direct than kali it's uh you know might use some of those attributes but it's 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 not pretty and it's just kind of cool there was a guy um he's down in atlanta i met him when i was training for nationals i just needed mat time and he and another guy were getting accreditation to teach kodakan judo Mm -hmm. And they just needed mat time. So a couple of mornings a week, we'd go in and just, in judo, it's called round dory, but spar, just getting us both mat time. But he was a Kali instructor. So when I brought my kids down to train with him in Kali, he pulled me aside. He's like, okay, do you want them to learn traditional Kali or street fighting Kali? You know, and it, it's that kind of that difference of, when you get to the nitty and gritty, it doesn't look anything like that really refined, polished kata style. Like the, yeah, that's for attribute development. That's for <coughs> speed, distance, line familiarization, footwork, and like getting all that stuff. But that's equally valuable. You know, they talk about the difference between self-perfection and self-preservation. And some arts are too heavy on one side than the other. But I think there's a lot of 
value to drills, you know, oh, you're never going to do who bud in real life. Well, yeah, you're never going to do that drill in real life, but yeah. you're learning stickiness. You're learning distance. You're you're learning speed. You're learning timing. You're learning all these attributes you're that come into precision. play once you need to actually improvise uh, in the street. So it's a, it's kind of a, I think that's the way to look at it. I wasn't there for it, but I heard it from at least one very reliable source that Colonel Applegate <laughs> was watching a, an Italian stiletto fighting demonstration. And somebody said, you know, what do you think about this? And he said, eh, it's fencing, which in my mind kind of drew the difference between like, you know, if two guys are calling themselves out and it's a matter of honor and yeah, you're, you're fencing. That is an entirely different than the prison yard. Nobody sees it coming. Sew a machine 74 times and then break the blade off and disappear. Like that's two distinct different styles of fighting. And there's overlap on those. But, you know, when you're doing your katas, you're learning fencing. Oh, yeah, yeah. No doubt. That's the sport aspect of it. That's the self-perfection aspect of it. And that's uh, that's important stuff. But I also believe, you know, that you got to learn the self-preservation stuff too. the headbutts, knees, elbows, biting, pinching, foot stomping, all of that stuff and get to flow with it and uh, be able to converse with it. That that's what I would uh, I feel like I was there for a while. That's where I would like to be again, Um, you know, to be conversant, not like, oh, I'm going to use technique. a on this person it's just like uh, i i have had this moral so in kodokan judo as a second degree brown belt you can compete in the black belt division to get your black belt there is a really precise kata that has to be done and i've had this moral issue of the kata is just a dance Yes, it's about precision, it's about perfection, but it's just a dance. Like once I got my second degree brown belt and could could compete in the black belt division, I'm like, I just had a moral, I'm not going to do the dance. Wait a sec, is um, that moral or or is that more... Um... You could also cause it call it lazy. I'm I'm willing to hear that argument. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't getting it lazy. But it, it's like, you know how sometimes I don't know. I'm this way. Like when I'm told to do something, I I'm like I'm I'm not doing that because you know because you just told me to. I'm not doing it. It could be my natural tendency to rebel against uh, authoritarian control. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that. But, I mean, Dr. Kano in his writings, who invented judo, talks about, you know, be like water, flow, you know, react. And the whole concept of the kata was just too rigid. Mm-hmm. I, I preferred to be. Yeah, I used to do Kempo Karate, American Kempo Karate, and the, and the katas were, I, I actually enjoyed doing them. But I remember once going to a tournament and competing only in kata and looking at the people fighting and like, next time I come, I'm going to fight. Like, this kind of feels like a dance, kind of like what you were saying. And that's cool. And it's beautiful. And I was good and precise and get the gi to snap and everything. But it's only half of the picture. And, And I could see the zen of it. 
I can I can respect the absolute precision, but I've been in a couple of scraps and there was no precision yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Got to be ready for um, chaos and you know the, the the like the stuff that you don't learn necessarily in a gym. People screaming in your face, other people off to the side. Uh, you know, environmental hazards all around you, walking backwards, whatever it is, like there's bad lighting. There's just all of these things that. Well, and just the flow of not being caught in a rigid series of steps. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Right, right. Oh, I missed the back fist. Uh, What do I do now? It's just like, yeah, missed the back fist. Okay, I'll turn that into an elbow or whatever. But anyway, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm getting you off track here. Oh no, you're you're golden entirely. Yeah, my fault. So, if I remember correctly, not this past year, but the year before was your first year at Blade Show, right? Where you actually went yes. to Atlanta. Yes. What was your fa- first Blade Show like? Oh man, it was breathless and uh, amazing. <laughs> it was like it was kind of akin to now now uh, like so many first times. All sorts of caveats, but it was akin to my wedding day. And only in that, it was like, holy shit. You were overwhelmed and didn't really know what you were doing. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, there's 50 million people here that I have to say hi and shake their hands. You know, oh, I've talked oh, to them over this year, yeah. but but also I was just, and there's 50 million knives for me to buy, and I only have $500 available. You know, it was a mind, it was crazy. And then also... I had to get interviews from a bunch of people because we're doing it. We do a show that we've done this twice on the Sunday morning before I leave Atlanta. We, you know, like this uh, using a remote connection, you know, I, I shoot interviews at the show and then Jim and I do our little wraparounds uh, remotely. And then we pop a show up on that Sunday. So uh, my first blade show was just insane. And I, 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 had a very hard time controlling myself in terms of overextending myself financially uh, because of all of the temptation. And then my second plate show. Yeah, no, I did. Just give into that. Just, I mean, we accept credit cards. Just, just let it flow. I let it flow last year, this year, 2022, the cliche was true for me. It was all about the people. It was, it was a lot about knives, but I did not buy a lot this year. And uh, it was it was about people meet, meeting people, catching up with people. And, and then I've made a lot of uh, friends who are also reviewers. And it was just great to meet all them in person after being on their shows or talking with them in comments or just talking with them in email or whatever. And to and to really, you know, shake their hands, sit down with them and just like chit chat. It was it was great. And there's something to be said about that physical connection when you're when you're face to face. Yeah. I mean, this is powerful what we're sharing right now. But when you actually get to sit down and be there with a person, that's there's something extra. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about that. And, you know, it's sort of like the. The pleasant inverse of. You know, people never talk to one another the way they talk to each other when they're driving, you know, because we have the separation between us. And you would never say that to that lovely person in real life. Because, yeah, actually, I don't have that. 
<laughs> I don't have that filter. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, but it's the same thing in reverse, like being in someone's presence, you know, makes you a lot more empathetic towards them, makes you a lot more, uh, you know, like they are well, a lot a more person. human. Yes, 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 exactly. They are a person. Sorry to point my knife at you, but you're right. <laughs> it kind of turned me on. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> so did you did you make it down to the pit at all for your blade shows? I did. I did. Uh, the first one uh, limited and uh, in that I went one night and was there for a little while and chat and, and talked with a couple of people for a long time. Um, this year uh, I went a couple of nights and. Um, but really had a, a special night in that I had a, uh, a, like a whole group of us kind of naturally and us by us, I mean, other YouTubers kind of naturally um, gathered in a little spot and just had a just had a great talk showing off knives. Uh, that's the other thing about Blade Show. I love you're walking around the pit and, you know, it's no big deal to have, see a guy with a sword on his back or or, you know, someone with uh, a belt with you know, festooned with knives and a tomahawk here or there, just walking around. I love that. Um, part of the part of the beauty of the show in the pit is it's industry people. So it might be the YouTubers, it might be the knife makers, but it's a chance for people in the industry who one time a year get to sit down, compare notes, talk about what works, what doesn't work, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and it's a great meeting of the minds too. People get to see what other people are doing. Uh, the impression I've gotten from knife makers is that it's a it's a very busy business. You're constantly in your shop, and you might not have a chance to see. And and even when you're at Blade Show working your booth or table, you might not have a chance to pop up and go glance around. So the pit is your opportunity to you know you're pressing the flesh all day, but it's a different kind of thing. Here you get to unwind, meet people, see their work, talk to them. Yeah, it was, it was, it's really great. Like I, this year when I left, I, I kept saying to myself, like, this is it. Like you're in your element here. This, this is what feels great. And I, I remember thinking, what would it be like if you went to a convention, a similar like convention, but in your career in your chosen career and it was all stuff from what you do you would be like dying to get out of there like just like oh god so nobody would have a short sword there would be no stabbing demonstrations yeah exactly i'd be looking at video equipment and editing and people are like, look at these lights and you know production equipment and stuff and 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 you know it's cool gear but i've never been into it i just don't care it's storytelling that i like you know it's well you're the talent i mean that's a whole next level what's that what do you mean i mean you're the talent yeah you, yeah you don't yes. have to worry about the right the the cameras or the lighting you just have to be you and 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 you know there's there's a gym to take care of the rest well of yeah yeah but but what i'm saying is is that uh being being around all the knives and all the knife people i was like this is it you know like okay. if i were at a video convention That's i'd be people. like god get me yeah exactly those are my people get me out of here so uh <laughs> so 
hopefully this uh, this hobby and this side project labor of love eventually becomes an encore career, um, you know, of some sort of the podcast included and other things. And, you know, I just I oh, the the second part of my life needs to be more about knives than the first part. Yep, I can get get behind that. Yeah. I fully support that. My friend, anything we can do to, to to interact in the first part of your life, I'd also like to. Oh do yes, that. yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's about my do blade wanna, show. So awesome, I love it. Do you want to go into the sorry. rapid fire? Yeah, no. I, I'm sorry. I read slowly. I'm, I'm <laughs> catching up on the show now. Rapid fire. Yeah, it, you know what, Kyle? Give it to him. All right. It's just, fast as you can let's see what you so uh yankees you talk fast just bang it away let's hear it let's go all right now so the other day i was grinding and i was thinking what what can we ask bob that he hasn't uh really done on his show and uh i came up with this idea of doing a doing a rapid fire surprise we didn't send you all the questions so the first knife money no object for each one of these uh these companies uh what knife would you pick off the top of your head. Uh, so the first one is Hogue. What knife would you pick? Uh, uh, the um, uh, RSK Mark I. Dun, dun, dun. All right. SE? SE, I'd go for the SE5. All right. I'm Edge sorry, page? the SE6, because you can get the, the, the top edge sharpened. SE6, sorry. Uh, all right. uh, Benchmade? Uh, Benchmade, uh, I, would, I would go for the Fact. Because fact? you can't, they're hard to find, and now they they only have the auto fact. But that's a long, slender stiletto style knife that they came out with a few years ago. I'm not sure I'm familiar with that one. Not the yeah. bug out. I know you're. Oh, uh, okay. I'll that say, one too. I, I will say the bug out because I have it and I love it and I use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fact is kind of my. Uh, you know, I'm not going to buy it that because I don't believe in spending two hundred and seventy dollars on a benchmade, but. The auto fact you is a, for grail is a knives, cool, cool knife. What's that, Dan? You asked for grail right. knives, not uh, in my collection knives. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, cold steel. What's your what, money's no object? Cold steel. Money's no object. Cold steel. Right now, because uh, I have a whole lot of cold steels that I like. Uh, uh, I would get the Chieftain Sacks. It's about a four hundred dollar thirteen or no, it's. It's like two hundred fifty or three hundred dollar, thirteen inch a sax with a traditional kind of uh, uh, fluted, not fluted, uh, kind of turned wooden handle with a nice big pommel. It looks like something a Viking, uh, a, a Viking chieftain might carry. Okay, a Viking who is in a mold. Uh, <laughs> no. They, these this is one of the. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. They do good uh, one of the early historical. Ones. No, this is one of the later ones. They, their swords are pretty, oh. pretty well done. I gotta say, I I have uh-huh. a I have a I have a bunch of their stuff. I have I have way yeah. more stuff than I care to admit. So there, there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of cool cold steel. I guess I should have. I guess I should have done some of us. Uh, did you have anything for cold steel, Dan? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I I would like that. Uh, they had that uh, folding like Chris dagger. I don't remember what the actual name oh, was, but well, the, uh, Lynn Thompson. Here's a uh, uh, here's a, a, Chris, got, a Chris highlight uh, that yeah. they have, and actually mm-hmm. this is this is after they were sold to GSM, the big conglomerate. 
I was worried about their quality. The quality in the handle is not as good, but the blade is so well done, so well ground, especially for something complicated like Chris. So they, yeah. they do, they still, they're still doing good work as far as I can tell. Uh, Spiderco? Spiderco. I want the new military version two because they have finally, finally, after like 20 years, finally given you an option for tip up carry. And it's coming with, instead of the liner lock, they're going to be releasing it with the compression lock. So I'm very interested in checking out the new military version two. You, Dan? Um, Got anything? I'm trying to think. Nothing against Spiderco. You know, I just, I don't carry a lot of folding knives. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with pass. This was actually one of my first Spidercos that I got. The, the Manix 2 would be the one for me. I, that's one of my, my favorite Spidercos that I've carried for a really long time. Uh, I actually had, when I got shipped out to, out to Denver, Colorado for a work trip, I ended up spending a couple extra days there because we weren't sure how long I was the project was going to take so i ended up staying there over a weekend and uh, on saturday went out to the golden colorado <laughs> spiderco factory and bought one of the manix 2 that has a hollow ground i think yeah. they're all flat grinds now yes and then uh ended up coming back and then going back or going back out to denver uh tsa uh went through my check bag and oh those shocker shocker my knife was gone after that mm. and uh excuse <laughs> my french but that's just oh. uh but then ended up um we finished up early one day like two o'clock and i hightailed it back down to the spider co factory bought another one wow <laughs> that's cool made made sure not to uh I, sh- I mailed it back to myself so i wouldn't lose it um it doesn't work with folding knives but when i've got to fly with fixed blades when I the knives that go in the check bag have no sheath, because if you're willing to stick one of my knives without a sheath in your pocket and walk out, oh with it, yeah, 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 you go ahead, it. you can take you it, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, CRKT. Do you have anything for them? Mm, I gotta say, man, I, I respect CRKT a lot because they bring. First of all, they're willing to take chances uh, with the different mechanisms and knives they make and they also bring the work of designers that are way out of reach within reach to a lot of people so i really respect that but i just i don't know man uh crkt leaves me a little cold um though i love the minimalist the allen foltz neck knife i carried that for years uh, behind my work id it's small it fits back there um but if i were to get one right now it would have to be something with their deadbolt lock because yeah. that's that's what they have. I think that's the most interesting and innovative thing they have to offer right now. It's a lock that's right on the pivot that pushes two uh, spring-loaded bars through the tang of the blade. So pins, I would say, not bars. But yeah, the the only the only one that I've really ever felt strongly about is the what was their M sixteen. Just oh, yeah. the like yeah, folding knife. One. I always liked that one. That was uh, right when I was out of college, kind of was the one that I was after for a while and never ended up buying it. But it's a Pat Crawford design. Yeah. I just happened uh, to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got I've anything for that one, Dan? Here. I've had a couple. I've liked them for just good basic carry. The minimal, minimalist okay. was a good one. I think they've got something coming out with Joe Flowers that 
I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yes, I think I just read about that in Knife News. Cool. Um, so um, I like them. I'm going to wait and see. Yeah, I think that's a healthy attitude. And I know you've been a big Emerson fan for a long time. What, were, yeah. what are you going to go for there? If I can only choose one Emerson, um, yeah. uh, and and we'll just say model because I've never uh, I've never ex well I have experienced but I've never owned uh, a custom. I would like to have a custom at some point, but for just the model, and I would love a custom of this model. But the Emerson Sax, okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. It is a great blade. I really like that. Cool. What about you? Uh, I. I don't have any one that is really uh I've never that's not one of the the makers that I've really followed too terribly much. So uh I think the CQC seven, mm -hmm. isn't that like, an Emerson that's, one? That's yep. that's uh that's probably the only one that I've ever really ever handled. So what I would go with. Those are fighting pocket <laughs> knives for sure. I mean they're bent towards self defense and um, you know, uh if if that's your taste, which it is mine for sure. Uh, they're great, you know. They're great. Even even the uh, chisel edge, which can be weird to cut with, uh, if you're using it like a utility knife. But it, it's, it's 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 quite nasty in terms of what it does when used as a weapon. And I think that's kind of yeah. I I heard of a story that like some somebody got caught in a like escalator and yes. Ernie Emerson like yeah. wave opened his knife and yeah. like cut him free, put it back in his pocket and just walked away. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and someone, and someone said after, as, as he walked off, he said he could hear someone say, who is that man with the knife? <laughs> He's like, who was that stranger? Yeah, exactly. He was yeah. like, kind of like, yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of moment knife guys, knife folk live for. I would imagine because it's like, well, first of all, as men, as guys, you like to feel useful. That's one of the things that is a part of who we are. Men like to feel useful. And then you got this knife on you and you're, you know, you're always kind of aware that you have it. And it's something that has all of those things that we've been talking about for the last hour and a half, all of those qualities. And to be able to bring it to bear and be useful and be useful with that tool that you love so much and to have an audience while doing yeah. it, like, you know, that's, that's pretty good advertising for C knives. Aren't so bad. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty cool. And all of you are lesser men for not exactly. having Exactly. <laughs> Why did it take me running up the escalator? Yeah, exactly. And women, by the way, women carry purses. They have absolutely no excuse not to have knives. On they them. should have like seven, yeah. eight knives. Wait, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I got I mean, got everything else cutting? in there. I can never find <laughs> my spider co in this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, it depends on what are you cutting. Do you do you need a chisel grind? Yeah. Do you need a seventy thirty grind? Do you need a fifty fifty grind? Do you need a full? I flat think I'm going to be cutting suckers today, so I'm going to put this push dagger in my. You know, you exactly. Oh, you know, yeah. My wife, no, my it, wife it, it uh, carries a salt uh, dragonfly too Ooh, in her nice. purse quite a bit. So that we went on a a knife uh, gathering like backpacking trip uh, through the, the knife journal podcast up in uh, Boys oh, Blank cool. Island in Michigan. And uh, was like, you're coming with all these knife people. I got to get you a knife. So uh, 
You're not going to embarrass me this time. <laughs> yeah. That's like, I don't need a knife. I have a Dan. Yeah, yeah right. Right. <laughs> uh, Leatherman? You have a. I, I don't really have a. I mean, I, I. You know what? I'll take the Leatherman I've had for the last almost 25 years. My brother once got. My brother's got me so many, so many cool knives, so many cool gifts. Some of them are behind me. But uh, I remember this one year he got me something. And I was like, oh, yes, it's a folder. I can tell from the box and the weight. And the, it's a folder. <laughs> Sweet. It's got the rattle. Yeah. And I opened it up and it was a Leatherman. It was the first time they had a clip, a pocket clip on a Leatherman. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks, Vic. You know, and inside I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, there's a blade on it, you know, but mm-hmm. I've used that thing like over the last 25 years. I like, think it was a long time ago. I have used that thing for everything and it's still you know, it resides in the kitchen junk drawer and it is, uh, I, I had it on a podcast. I did one called unsung heroes of my knife collection. It's like the knives are in the junk drawer that I pull out for whatever, or the knives in the shed or the one in the car, the ones that get a lot of use and abuse, but don't get all the glory, like the expensive ones I have. So, uh, yeah, that's one of them for sure. You got, you got one, you got a learn one, Dan? The original Leatherman, I literally could not tell you how many parts I stole off the regimental commander's vehicle with nothing but a Leatherman. (laughs) Like when I was in the army and we'll get to Gerber at some point. And, but the two things I carried was one of them was a Leatherman and I could do so much shit on a Humvee with one of those things. What were you taking off? Just the antenna and. All sorts of stuff? Or? Oh, oh, no. I'm, so, all right, here's my theory. So there's certain parts on a Humvee that if they're not functioning, it's it's deadlined. That Humvee is foreboding. It's no good. And the mechanics will tell you that it's like two weeks to get the part back and your vehicle is down and the platoon sergeant is pissed off and everybody's angry because the vehicle is down. But if the regimental commander's vehicle needs that part, somehow the mechanics will find that shit next day. So if I take my bad part off of my vehicle and I switch it out for the good part on the regimental commander's vehicle, then my vehicle is up. And within 24 hours, his vehicle is up. So that's a net win, oh, right? That's good thinking. We now have both vehicles up within 24 hours. Nice. Um, <laughs> Devious but, and nice. <laughs> But if you were seen dragging like toolboxes up along the the headquarters command area of the the motor pool, people would notice that. Yeah. yeah. But man, I could whip under a Humvee, throw out my uh, Leatherman, be in and out five minutes. Nobody knew I was there. That was an absolute key tool hmm. for uh, my entire career. Nice. Yeah, mine's the PST2, so it's the second version of the original Leatherman, I believe, oh, the personal yeah. survival tool. Uh, that's the one I carry. It's a quick or a pretty good toss-up with the Leatherman Micro. The, that's my other one that I, I literally carry it all day, every day. So, uh, love the little scissors. Uh, I With most of mine, I carry more than one knife, uh, but having a little pair of scissors is you nice. Do. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, tops. You got anything? Ooh, anything God, there? I love tops knives. Um, the f- uh, I've moved a few along, but I have a core in my tops sub collection, and I would say at the center of that. 
Well, there's one that my wife gave me that I love. And that's the the uh, the wild hog hunter. That's a, that's a sweet one. But the one I really, which is actually based on a Russian uh, uh, combat knife. It's it's. But I guess they decided it was a really nice rigid knife for killing pigs. Uh, but but the one I like the best is the Prather War Bowie. Okay, sweet mm. knife. I've never actually had one, but I I've always liked that tom brown tracker that they oh yeah make i've always been interested in that that shape to see how it works dan's giving me the the stink eye but i i've always been interested yeah. i i always, I always I thought it was looked cool. confused yeah no no i i get that you know fillet blade on one side saw on the other you know yeah. it's manly yeah no no I, I i totally get that you got any tops knives that you'd be wanting to grab um the the ice dagger that oh, uh, yeah. Andy Tran designed okay. is for the purpose. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I gotta say, Tops um, Knives has a lot of very cool, small, concealable, purpose driven self defense knives, and that to me is just I love that. Those are that's one of my wheelhouses right there. You know, these little tiny things that. Are, and by tiny, I just mean small and pocketable or small yeah. and carryable. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, small packages can do incredible things. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I've been hearing that my whole life and I can't figure out why. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying four inches is more than you think it is. <laughs> they say a credit card is three and a half. So that's, the, that's all you need. And that certainly has covered everything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, jeez. So uh, we're kind of lumping these. These two together, K bar and the Becker knife and tool uh, category. Well, I'm I'm looking at the state and union special line at K bar uh, the past week, and they have this uh, red liner K bar dog head uh, that that they're coming out with uh, to commemorate. It's sort of a modernized commemoration knife of a very. Um, <clears throat> coveted K-Bar for World War II collectors. There was a period where there was a very short period where there was a little red spacer between the bent metal guard and the first, you know, piece of leather and the stacked leather handle. Huh. And that's a, that's a, a K-Bar that hmm. K-Bar collectors, you know, that's their white whale. Um, well, State and Union is kind of an upscale brand of K-Bar or a, a brand that does special releases based on K-Bar knives, but that they do different things to. And they have a beautiful looking version of that knife coming out. So that's the long answer for K-Bar. Okay. Dano? Um, I like the the Necker or the 14. Ooh, yeah. yeah, I like that. You know, you know I, I like small things. I like utility blades. Um that's a size. The Boondock Bowie was pretty cool. I mean, you know, it's it's a massive knife, but really, I prefer the tweeners, the fourteen, the Necker. Yeah, uh, I really like the USMC uh, fighting knife that K Bar makes. Yeah, but I, but I, it's classic. I think I'd go for the BK sixteen. The uh, I like that little smaller uh, mm. blade. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, Microtech. Uh, <clears throat> Microtech. Uh, the Blades Show Special 2020 was pretty good. The 2021, I also like. <laughs> I have a couple of Microtechs. I like them. Uh, uh, 
this is this is kind of a this is a, a grail thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would get the um uh the 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 recent um collaboration knife they did with uh Bastion Cove. They've done a number of them of Bastinelli knives and it's the a sip break break eel. I can't remember what I think it's called the break eel. It's it's a basically it's a microtech automatic version of a Bastinelli chopper, which is a uh a, an upswept but not annoyingly upswept blade. What's that? It just made my head hurt. <laughs> an alpha front chopper. Like like I've had breakers have been tripped. We're gonna need a moment to completely reset. Because it's not a chopper at all, but he's French and so he calls it the chopper. Uh but it's uh it's it's not a chopper at all. It's a it's a slicer, it's a slicer slasher stabber, but it's, it's sweet. What about you? What, what would you get from Microtech? Uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so mm. I I've I've been on the lookout for one of the the Luke Skywalker mm. out the front, the blue blade. Mm. Uh, but I also really like those uh, bounty hunter ones. Oh, they're um, cool. Yeah, yeah. The some of those serrations are pretty cool. Um, just for for looks i i if i got if i got one i'd want it to be a straight blade no serrations mm-hmm. just yeah. because that's what i like to use more but i got a couple of these sorry before you go to the next i i got two microtech blades that have a dagger ground blade with the with that's a lot of with serration. a serration on top yeah yeah it is a lot of you know and i guess you could use this as a utility knife I guess. Yeah. If you I need to cut some rope. Who sharpens yeah. That. What's that? If you have to cut I some just rope. Want to know who sharpens that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I hope they pay him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you you said the blade show uh, specials. You got any other ones, Dan? No, I I really respect Microtech's mechanism, and I cannot tell you how many hours I spent going click 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 click. <laughs> driving everyone mad (laughs) yeah and that's part of the fun yeah um i think that's part of the reason my wife is happy i don't have one yet (laughs) i i don't have a lot of out the front and i stumbled on a couple of the blade show specials and i've somewhere between they filled the need and they're pretty cool knives i could totally find myself going down that rabbit hole yeah but I can't afford another rabbit hole. So I, 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 I took this kind of this surface level out the front and, and that's just kind of bridged me over yeah. so that I can deep dive in some other places. All right. Uh, next up is Gerber. Okay. Well, if we're talking grail, I want to go back to the seventies. My dad had a Gerber, which is where all the good Gerbers were. Made. Yeah, I know. That's uh, uh uh, or or the Mark whatever whatever they called their dagger that was pretty cool the Mark Mark II I think it was so I like the Mark II dagger the Sog dive, Sog dagger Sog dagger that was the the Fairborn Fair, Fairborn yeah yeah it it it's sort of like that but it's wasp wasted and it's got uh, it's got oh, it's got serrations yeah, yeah, and a bit okay. of a so yeah. I do love that, but but what I would get my my grail, and I don't think this knife exists anymore, but it would be my dad's. Like I don't think my dad's exists anymore, and I know they don't make this model, uh, but it was a, 
it was their answer, at least in the 70s, to the buck, the classic buck 110. But instead of being thick and rounded like the buck 110, it was very thin and it had the brass bolsters at the at the at the uh, Ricasso and at the um, at the pommel. But right. and it had real thin, beautiful wood inlays. So it was and it was a lockback and it had so it had a great blade, a great body. It was like a sleek, cool looking 110. And I remember my dad actually sharpened it and totally jacked up the blade. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but what a cool knife that was. And that was Gerber at their best. And uh, that's what I'd like. Uh, you want to go Dan next, Dan? Yeah. Um, so I've got kind of a. Growing up, like what we had going to the woods was the classic Buck 110, and it had the little flicket on it because I was a North Georgia redneck <laughs> and you had a flicket on your. But the micro or the, uh, the Gerber Mini Mag, which I really think was the pinnacle of Gerber, it was, it was, it might have been thinner than 116th. It was a really flexible, really fine edge. But the handle was this like blown aluminum material. It was a metal handle. It was really well contoured, but it had all these inclusions in it where like no matter what was on your hand, dressing game, cleaning fish, whatever, you really had this really tactile handle. And in my family, that was just, you had your Buck 110 and you had your Gerber Mini Mag, and that was all you needed to go to the woods. And when I was in the Army, we had, it was a Gator. Oh, yeah, I remember the Gator. But it was the old school first Gator with the really big uh, finger loop. And that big finger loop was also the axis for the yeah, blade. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Um, And at first, you know, we were all certain that that big finger loop, you know, if we got knocked down, if there was an explosion, it, whatever. It was a really convenient size. You could flip it open, and it was phenomenal for opening MREs and cutting 550 cord, which was really 90% of what I did. Right. Sorry, 99% of what I did with a knife when I was in the yeah. Army. Um, so that uh, growing up, the Buck 110 Gerber Mini Mag was my, my go-to collection. When I was in the army, it was a Leatherman and the the Gerber Gator. Hmm. So I'm gonna have to split my vote between the two. All right, I've I've always liked those uh, Gerber multi tools. How they kind of like slide out. Oh but yeah. The, yep. Of the of the knives that Gerber's made, um, it's the LMF two Infantry fixed oh, blade. Yes. I've always liked that one uh, quite a bit. They put the serrations on the correct side. Lots of times when they make like fighting knives, they like put serrations on the left side. And when you're trying to use it with the right hand, it like doesn't work at all. Um, but yeah, I've always it's liked that one. Wrong handed. Yeah, I remember yeah, the correct the, handed. The LMF and the BMF. Uh, and of course, I always imagined why they called it the BMF, but it was a big survival knife that used to have them. Uh, those and the LMFs, uh, they've remade the LMFs. They're, you know, they're, they're producing them again in a totally different design than what they were in the, in the eighties, uh, in the eighties. But those two, the LMF and the BMF, <coughs> excuse me, were two of my favorites. 
back when they had the Buckmaster and those, uh, those were kind of the competing knives and, uh, man, just awesome. Cool. Uh, so the next one is Boker. You got anything for Boker? Uh, Boker. Uh, can't think of a, so what I like about Boker is again, like CRKT is they bring the, um, design of a lot of makers I could never afford within reach. And my actual grail knife is produced in a production version by Boker. So I'm going to go with that and I have it and it's the squail, the Boker squail, uh, which is, um, a Charles Marlowe design. And he's, he's one of my, he's, that's probably my grail. If, if I could have any folder out there, I would probably get a, um, handmade Charles Marlowe. Cause I just think they're, they're beautiful to my eye. They're perfect. You know? Okay. I really like this, uh, gnome that, uh, they make. It's a little small blade. Um, uh, it's in 440 C it's got like a 2.2 inch blade. Uh, yeah, that's always, always kind of like that one. Boker isn't one of the, the knives that I've knife brands that I've really followed too terribly much though. Yeah. You got anything for Boker, Uh, Dan? I've had a couple. I'm trying to remember the, the pattern name. Yeah. They've been, they've been simple worker work horses for me. Uh, I won one in a raffle and was kind of impressed at price point, how smooth the action was. Um, and I'm struggling to remember the, I've had, I think three of them and I'm now struggling to remember pattern names, but Boker's been one of those kind of baseline knives for me. It, It may not be a Ferrari, but they always worked smoothly. Yeah. All right. ZT's up next. I I always have trouble remembering all the numbers with Z, with ZT. <laughs> so with with ZT, I believe I have the ones I want. I have all of I, I have three that were um, designed by Ernest Emerson. I have the one Sinkovich design that I love the most by them. He's a designer I love, and uh, and then I have the uh, Ken Onion O zero two hundred, which I love. So if I if I were to get another, one, there's a three oh. I'll take a three oh eight. I want a three oh eight. I do. I do want one zero three zero eight. For me, uh, I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the number. The uh, three fifty TS, the uh, Agent Gibbs uh, one from NCIS I've with always... the tiger stripes. Uh, oh th- yeah, that... you got to have the tiger. Stripes. So that's that's a uh, Ken Onion and Mick Strider collaboration. Mick Strider's. Uh, part of it i don't know if he had something to do with the handle maybe but the tiger stripes are him yeah i i i really like ncis and i had a old town cutlery made a shirt that said rule who is rule nine always carry a knife uh made a shirt and i wore it down to blade show as i was driving and when we stopped at gas stations and stuff people would go what do, what are your other rules and i was like what what are, you, what are you talking about? Also have it. Right. <laughs> yeah. My other rule, my, my number one rule is don't talk to me. Get out of my face. <laughs> don't talk to me. I should have said that. Is it wrong that I watched the entire show for the kind of sexy goth? Uh, Abby? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. 
Uh, we've actually watched the whole thing through like three times probably now. So it's one of the ones we just, when we get can't agree on a show, we end up watching that one. <laughs> so good time. Uh, do you have anything for ZT Dan or I do not have any experience with ZT yet. Uh, all right. Um, so I'm, I, I, yet again, I'm utterly ignorant. Yeah. Uh, Buck, Buck 110. Uh, no, I'm going to go with the Buckmaster. I'm going to okay. go back in time and get the Buckmaster. Ooh, wow. I, I'd get one of the, uh, the new Buck 110s where they actually are like Ooh, upgrading yeah. the, the steels yeah. and the handle materials and stuff. I think, or, uh, one of those kind of upgraded ones would be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're since we're talking Grail, I got to go back in time because I'm going to assume I can still get the one you're talking about. Yeah, because <laughs> I want them both. <laughs> I, I'm torn between the nostalgia of, like I said, the old Buck 110, and it was the the pre-assisted opening. They called it a flick it. Yeah, it was a little spur that you could put on the blade. Um, or the the Buck 110 automatic. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. haven't had one yet. I don't know how they affect, but just based on nostalgia, I I like the idea. Is that what you're yep, talking about? That little uh, this is a one twelve, so it's a little smaller, but that that little extra that little thumb spur, stud you yeah. can put on there. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, next up is Sog. Yeah, anything for them? Sog. I will stick with the um with the classic uh Mac V Sog that they made their name on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love the Mac Vsog Bowie and all of its. I love that that shape. Dan, uh, I, I lack experience. I can't remember what the number is or uh, what it's called, it, but it was that they had like a small uh, multi tool similar to this, and it had like gears in there for the scissors, and you could no joke cut through metal strapping like for oh, wow. a pallet with it, and I did it oh, at wow. uh, at work. A handful of times definitely couldn't do that with the leatherman micro but that mm. uh that geared mechanism around the pivot uh really gave you a lot more leverage there i don't really have anything for uh the next three but uh i figure you'll have an opinion uh riate oh okay uh and just so you know the common i've heard that it's actually riat but the riat. common way people say it is riat Riyadh. So I, I go with Riyadh. Riyadh. <laughs> uh, so Riyadh knives. Uh, I, I mean, I don't mean to tell you you're wrong on your own show, yeah. but you're wrong. I, I, don't, I don't mean to tell you how to pronounce <laughs> Chinese on your own show, but I don't know how to pronounce it either. <laughs> so the way people are mostly wrong is by saying Riyadh. Uh, so they OEM so many great knives, and then they have a bunch of great knives under their own shingle. I would say from Riyadh, I would go with maybe I'd go with one of the Pena knives. Uh, Enrique Pena makes some beautiful knives and he has them OEM'd by them. So maybe I'd say that. I guess I didn't realize they OEM'd. I saw some of those slip joints that he did and did like a Zulu pattern and stuff. Yeah, now now he does his own custom stuff too, but for, for, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing some of the yeah, the uh, produce stuff. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Savivi? Savivi. Uh, I like... Did he pronounce that? Oh, word? he did. did, I, did I pronounce that? <laughs> it's <laughs> Saivivi, 
my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. He pronounced he he. That that's C one five. That's acceptable. That's ex- yeah, right. Exactly. C one five one five one. Yeah, actually, that's a. All of those letters that could all be a Roman date. I just don't know how yeah. to what it would be, but that's funny. Uh, Savivi, I uh, I like I, I do like so I'm going to go with the Savivi Praxis. It's one of the first models they ever came out with. I recently got one with a nice wooden handle, and uh, and I know that makes you bristle, yeah. Dan. But it it is a beauty. I, I I was a woodworker before I was a knife maker. I can appreciate. There's no way for this to sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate a really nice piece of wood. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? And if you don't, you're some, lying. Some good no, figuring, some grain. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't have one for Civivi. Uh, we knives. We knives, uh, Civivi's uh, umbrella or big brother. Um, what I choose from we? They actually do a lot of cool. All right, I'm going to pick something that they OEM uh, right uh-huh. now, and and I believe they are the OEM on the Berg Blades Iron Wolf, and that is a cool knife. So I would take that. See, the thing with we, they do produce very good knives. They also OEM. Uh, they make nice OEMs for people, but they do have a lot of models, and they used to be all crazy like crazy designs. And now they're all really practical uh, to the point where they just don't get my heart racing. Most of them. They've done a couple of slim line, really basic knives that, that I've liked, but I've got to give them credit. They kind of brought the reputation back to Chinese manufacturing, especially for my generation. Chinese manufacturing was equated to crap. And I don't know if they were the first, but they were the first that I was aware of that was doing really solid precision quality machining out of China. Yeah. Uh, the way I remember it, Riyadh was sort of the first, but they're smaller than we. So they they were still kind of mm-hmm. boutique And then we came out and flexed all this capacity. They're like, uh, so our first year, we're coming out with these 20 models and they're all crazy and they're all. Oh, they're all anodized, fifty million colors, and milled to the nines, and 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 they, they're like, we've got a shitload of engineers yeah, here, yeah. just not doing Board anything. Shit, like, <laughs> um, so yeah, they they came out with the first three years. It was the six hundred, seven hundred, and eight hundred series for the first three years, and they had like maybe twenty knives each year, or something like that, and then. They started uh, uh, taking on work from other designers and they started slimming things down and listening and kind of um, going the more EDC route, you know, making it more pocket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've kind of always liked the look of that uh, Elijah Isham or Rackus, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, But I think if I was going to get one, I'd get the the thug uh, Matthew Christian. Oh, yes. uh, Yes. I should have picked the thug. Can I go back and pick this up? No, there's there's an XL no, coming no. out, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it really depends on how you tip, tip Kyle. <laughs> Maybe you can go back. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you want to change your answer? I'll I'll go with the we. I'll go with the thug. Yeah. And I love Matthew, and I love that knife. It's such a it's a cool one. Yeah. 
uh, that, that like shredded carbon fiber uh, one, I think looks super cool. Um, Chris, we'll see what comes out in the editing. Chris Reeve knives. Uh, I would go with <clears throat> my, I have the two Chris Reeves that I really want. The Sabenza 21 and the uh, Omnums on the Tonto. large or small, uh, large. I, yeah. I, yeah, I prefer large, but I would, <laughs> I would like to get, I would like surprise. to get the Sabenza 31 and check out. Cause I know they brought some of the, some of the improvements from the Omnums on and the, and the, what was that other one? Jeez. The names are all crazy. Um, and and brought them into the 31. So I, I, I'd like to check that out. Yeah, I've got a 21, a large 21, and that's my favorite, just plain titanium. Uh, Such a favorite. good knife. Or wait a minute, uh, the Chris Reeve hollow handle. I want one of those. Oh, yeah, the fixed that's, blade. Yeah, those are yeah. cool. I take one of those because I can you still could, buy a 21. I was gonna, you could sell <laughs> that and put put your twins through college with that. Yeah, they said they started with like a two and a half inch thick bar of uh, round bar, and it all got lathe machined because uh, it's all one piece. And then the the reason they stopped making it was because the guy that ran the lathe like or uh, retired. <laughs> like these so, are just too much of a pain in the ass to make. So that checks out. Yeah. Uh, you got anything for Chris Reeve, Dan? Yeah, I, I've met Chris Reeves, but I haven't had the honor of having one of his knives yet. So I'm I'm going to have to claim ignorance. They are worth the reputation. Yeah, I saved up for like four years before I bought my uh, large Sabenza. Um, so, I mean, it, it was very educational to meet him. I just haven't had one of his knives yet. Yeah, That was definitely one of the mo- more expensive knives. One of the, it was the first more expensive knife I've ever bought. So over 200 bucks that I had bought. Um, Dan put in dogwood custom knives. Have you, have you heard of this? Oh maker? yeah. Yeah. The Hefe. I have no well, idea where that well, came I, from. Actually, uh, when we spoke, I was telling you, I, I liked your, um, I liked the, uh, oh, um, excuse me. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. The more Japanese inspired blades. But now I like that uh that custom French one you made for the for the chef. And I don't remember if it's El Capitan or whatever. The big pop the big pop that knife is I love that knife. That uh the chef that I worked with to design that with was out of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. So the the big poppy. The big poppy. I like the big poppy. <laughs> oh poppy. <laughs> All right, that's weird. <laughs> I'm gonna go with my uh, with my Keppert on order. Oh. <laughs> when you get it, it's gonna be, awesome. it's gonna be the best Keppert you've ever almost worked worked wood with. I was really blessed to be a part of that project. Yeah, if I could go back in time, I'd get one of the those first. Was it ten you made? Twelve? The yeah, 10. ten. Yeah, yeah. So. They did like a um, as accurate a reproduction as possible and had uh that was uh oh. Matt Gillenwater did the sheets for those, right? They actually like yeah. made a custom stamp to match from the museum's leather sheath and stuff. Yeah, so there was the sheath that came with the knife, and then there was the sheath that, that Horace carried. 
and they found enough pictures to reproduce. I mean, down to the tooling, oh, wow. the sheath that Horace carried. And then I, I make what I like to say is the, the knife that Horace would carry if he was alive today. I use modern production techniques, modern steels, modern handles. But I was fortunate in that I, I, I had four years of mechanical drawing. Yeah, I was a draftsman. And when um, Ethan had found an intact, uh, complete Providence intact, uh, Colclesser Brothers, uh, Capart knife, as far as we know, it's the only one in existence in a private uh, collection and bought it. And I was fortunate enough that he asked me to do the drawings for it. And in return for doing the drawings, I got to keep a copy. Oh, nice. So I did 10 out of 1095 true to those exact drawings. Uh, I just did 10 of those. And then as part of our agreement, I just do modern reproductions. That's cool. so rather than taper the tang, I drill it. I use modern particle steel. I use um, micarta instead of wood handles. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Love that cap heart design. Uh, um. And I, I actually, the five inches, if I lived out west or maybe further north, I'd love the five inch, but I've started making the four inch and I really like the stubby version. Yeah, you got, you got a uh, pick for dogwood custom knives, Dan? What? <laughs> what? Oh, God, there's so many phenomenal <laughs> knives. It's hard to choose. Uh, actually, what I use the most is a three finger. Uh, what I use in the most for the woods is a cub or a kit. Um, and both of them are slightly different variation of a three inch blade. Um, I mean, even when I'm in the jungle, I use a machete and a three inch blade. That is really the, the go-to, you know, a one sixteenth, a three thirty seconds inch, three inch blade, about a four inch handle. That does really everything I've ever needed mm. a knife to do. And then uh, our last our last category is uh, just custom maker, since uh, kind of what, what would be your, your grail custom maker? Grail custom maker would be a Charles Marlowe folder. Yeah, Charles Ooh. Marlowe. I love his stuff. I just absolutely... Love it, and I know he doesn't make a lot of stuff, or and I know that it's ex very expensive and hard. And so again, thanks, thanks to Boker for making the squale. Uh, but yeah, it would be it would be a squall. I think he I think he calls it a squall. Uh, I think Boker. I think there was something lost in translation. They call it the squale. But uh, yeah, I would go for a Charles Marlowe squall. <laughs> Dan, there's this really kind of obscure maker uh cage daily and they do this little pocket buddy mm. and it fits like right in my back pocket it's a little combo sheath uh, i think that's what i'd go with cool. yeah <laughs> yeah especially if i could get it you know like dark leather with red stitching nice yeah. that's that's the one i'd want yeah you might you might your wish might be granted in the the near future here uh, in the next two and a half years, like when you got your cat part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I'm going to go for somebody that's not alive anymore. Uh, I really want a uh, Bob Loveless drop point hunter uh, with stag. You just want the naked lady. Uh, Yeah, I think I'd probably go the double nude logo. But uh, yeah, Um, I really like that one. Uh, I've got, I was fortunate enough to handle one that Bob actually made at Blade Show one year. Um, It's just feels so good. Yeah, just the whole everything. It's just a really good pattern. He had handled design dialed in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just everything. He was able to, like back in the day without all the, the like, specialty wheels and stuff that we have now scotch right belts and stuff was just able to like soften all those edges and make everything just look so perfect side note his first knives that he sold com- commercially were to Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know why when to, they were an outfitter instead of yeah, a, like used a, to actually be an yeah. outfitter and not just a bunch of heroin addicts walking around with no shirts on. Yeah, he actually made that on uh, on a ship. Yep. And uh, when he was at Abercrombie yeah, he and Fitch, did his the treat in the galley. Yeah. When he was actually at Abercrombie and Fitch, he uh, <laughs> the he said, "I wouldn't pay that much for a knife." I think he was looking at a Randall or something. And he goes, "Well, if you think you can do better, we'll we'll buy them." <laughs> and he like walked in with like ten knives, and he's <laughs> like, "You want to buy these?" <laughs> That's funny. So pretty crazy. Those are, uh, do you have any, any cut co- or any makers for us or. Yeah. what do we miss? what do we miss? What do you mean? Did we miss any companies or makers? Oh, or- oh, 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 that should be in your list. Oh man. I mean, there's, <clears throat> yeah, there's I a lot, I'm but if not, not all of the questions were going to be in that. List. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, 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 I guess I guess I would throw in because I'm a f- big fan Rick Hinderer knives, uh-huh. and I would go for one that I have already, it, and that is a uh, an, an XM eighteen three and a half inch Sponto. But I had it reground, so it's really thin and hollow except for the front that's flat. So yeah, yeah. I, I think Rick Hinderer knives are sweet. So I guess I would throw those in there. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Not sure which one I would go with. Uh, I I haven't really, I never really got into the the flipper stuff very much, even though my first knife that I tried to make with self was a flipper. <laughs> um, ironically, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is America. You're allowed to be as wrong as you want. To be. Yeah, yeah. The, the XM18 was a kind of cool one. I kind of like that half track. It was kind of a cool one, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I can't narrow it down to one. You got anything for Hinderer, Dan? I don't. Again, as a a poor, broke, lowly knife maker, just barely able to afford shoes, I'm (laughs) I'm afraid Hinderer has been out of my reach. Yeah. Um, Do you have any other questions? Or I think we're... We're getting pretty long. No, I think I, 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 I want to thank you guys for having me on. I think it's no, 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 no. You got to stall for another 15. Minutes I can't. Because, Why? No, no. <laughs> when we hit the three hour mark, it's an enormous pain in the ass for Kyle. Oh, okay. I'll do it. So no, it was a kidding. favor to me. We got to drag this shit out just okay. a little oh, bit. Oh, longer. Oh, if it's going to cause someone a real pain in the ass. Yeah, I can do that. No, I'm just kidding. I got, <laughs> I got to wake up in less than five hours now and, oh, Get my, get my critters to 
to to camp. But I I, I just want to tell you guys, it was a pleasure to talk to you both. And and from your perspective as knife makers, it's different from, you know, uh, well, I mean, I talk to a lot of knife makers, but it's different to have you guys asking me questions, you know, expert knife makers asking a collector questions. It's been very interesting. So um, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. And if people want to keep in touch with you, it looks like pretty much the knife dot com had everything pretty well laid out uh, to find you on all the different social medias and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think the best thing to do is is also just YouTube. Um, uh, Jim would bristle. He'd say, tell them to go to the website and definitely go to the website. But YouTube is is where all of the podcasts, uh, you know, we do three a week, basically, uh, including the live. And then, um, you know, I do some up close videos on knives that come through. So I'd say go to check it out on YouTube. The Knife Junkie. Yeah. Cool. You know, if you screw with the guy that does your editing. Bad yeah, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know. Just accept that I know. <laughs> uh, so you can keep in touch with the, our podcast, the knifeperspective.com, and you can keep in touch with us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, make sure that you uh, say, I need some of that uh, canvas micarta, and uh, I'll send you a block uh, from. Give me what I need, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can keep in touch with Dan Eastland at Dogwood Custom Knives, dogwoodcustomknives.com, and he's Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram. And send him an email at dan at dogwoodcustomknives.com. Maybe I should have him email you first, and then I'll send him a block. You should, because I haven't gotten hate mail in forever. Send- like, I don't know if I've matured or what's going on. Also, but- the first person to send Dan a message. I'll give away two blocks. Uh, there we go. Message Dan. Uh, make him read something. And you can keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly. Of small word. <laughs> Cage Daily Knives and uh, CageDailyKnives.com. Uh, Cage Daily Knives on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So thanks, Bob. It's been... Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I've got over a thousand followers. Do you do the dances? No. No, not yet. Don't do that. <laughs> but uh, I like the music that you can put with it. So uh thanks, Bob. It was great talking with you. Well, and, it's my uh, pleasure. Say goodnight, Dan. Say goodnight, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> good night, Kyle. Good night, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's take it to the edge. Cause that's what's expected. This is the night prospective. Let's get to the point. We're gonna talk about.